0: Yeah, someone get me a towel. We're going to look at Bearer of Silence. folks over at CommanderCast.com and MTGCast.com, it's time for a very late episode of Rivals Duel, but we swear it's not our fault.
1: Uh yeah, we're um, we're you know, we're a week or two behind. Uh, that is because of uh, we recorded on time and actually was ready to go, and then uh, our audio decided to die. Um, it was warped and terribly distorted. I'm personally blaming Kozilek and the influence of his Eldrazi brood in our set review, which is keeping us from coming out on time.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, we were all excited to have such a timely set review, and then, uh, and then not so much.
1: <laughs> yeah, wop wop. So now you've been through your release weekend and your pre release weekend, and. <laughs> yep.
0: Uh, and, uh, we have a couple of emails as well. We have a rules change to rediscuss, um, a banning, uh, and I have to, before we do any of that, we have to give updates on how our commander draft debate decks have gone.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> have you played with Nekusar yet, Noel?
1: Yeah, I played, I did get one game in with it.
0: Okay, and how was that?
1: It's fine. Here's the thing is that, like, the Nekusar deck is kind of my playstyle. Okay. Like I like it, it, when it's I personally hate that deck because it was so overdone in my meta and I just got bored with it so fast, like overexposure. Okay. But the deck itself is actually like it's fun to play. It's so, just that I find
0: it annoying. So you were fine.
1: Yeah, like I will I will survive in the words of the late Glory Gaynor.
0: <laughs> I uh I was not so lucky. <laughs> I was supposed to play with uh some people. But my buddy warned them about the deck I was going to be playing, and apparently they said, well, that doesn't sound like any fun, and decided not to play against it.
1: <laughs> it's because you're playing, like, you need to, like, you are flagging yourself so hard with the deck you've chosen. Like I don't have the blue cards to make any other deck. <laughs> <laughs> go make some budget monstrosity. Like, yeah. Like, this is for those a of budget you, deck. For those of you who are just tuning in, Eric is playing Fairy Lock Knowledge Pool. And wonders yeah. why he doesn't have any friends,
0: well, I went down to a store and surprised some people without telling them my playstyle. They didn't know who I was, and I was just <laughs> sitting down to play some e d h and uh yeah, that deck is entirely unpleasant. I yeah, don't and like you it. can't
1: go back to that store anymore. Play Knights <laughs> are blue. <laughs>
0: I can go back to that store. They they just thought, it you want to know why I can go back to that store? Because I thought it was entirely unpleasant and I hated it. But when they looked at it, they were just like, yeah, this is about par for the course for a blue deck.
1: Uh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, yeah, no, I, and I, there was a game where someone managed to, uh to get rid of my knowledge pool from my library before I had a chance to tutor it out. That I won by cloning their big threats and then mind controlling the same big threat. I believe it was a, um, oh, it was some big generic green thing. I forget what it's called. Uh, it was something big and tramply. Oh, Colonian Hydra. And I, it. I, I cloned their Colonian Hydra and then I mind controlled their Colonian Hydra and then I wiped the entire board with double Colonian Hydra.
1: That seems to do it.
0: <laughs> yeah. It was, uh, but before that, I spent several turns bouncing and countering stuff, and I don't like that deck, and I am uh, very much looking forward to taking it apart, which I should be able to do fairly soon.
1: Yeah, the the sound of the hourglass is moving for both of us now, so...
0: Yeah, I'm, uh, <sighs> no. I, I'm, I, th- this has done nothing but reaffirm my choice to stop playing with islands. See,
1: uh, <laughs> you are making this so painful on yourself. There There are fun things to do in blue. No, there isn't. Everybody spam Eric's inbox with fun things to do in blue. Don't do that. <laughs> Help me out. It's Eric Bonvie. E-R-I-C-B-O-N-V-I-E at com. Send uh, him fun uh, things to do with blue.
0: <laughs> send all pictures of unpleasant things you find on the darkest corners of the internet. How about that? <laughs> Um, yes, but we, we better keep going because we've got a big, pretty big episode. Uh, do we want to talk about emails or the rules changes first?
1: Uh, let's get the rules changed out of the way.
0: Alright, sounds good. Uh, as our resident judge, I will allow you to control the pace of this conversation. Sure.
1: So our last, uh, so they've done some changes to the rules. Uh, these are not, um, like, I actually really like most of these changes. Mm hmm. Uh, the first one is that they got rid of what I keep seeing referred to on the internet as rule four, but it's what it is is that, uh, it was the lands that are, if you would produce mana of a color not in your general's commander identity, or, yeah, color identity, sorry, wow. Um, if you didn't produce mana in your, uh, commander's color identity, it would produce colorless instead. Now yeah. it just produces what it should.
0: Which is, it only really affects a couple general send triplets being one of them um yeah.
1: the reason
0: for it is it like at first it's kind of a eh, and then you understand that the reason for it is that they're stopping people from uh cheesing their way into paying for the new colorless symbol cost which when you put it in that perspective makes a lot of sense. They're forcing you to run dedicated colorless mana if you want to take advantage of the cards that require colorless mana rather than just tapping your city of brass for uh or yeah, tap your city of brass or something like that for a color that isn't in your color identity and generating the colorless mana that way.
1: Sure, that's part of it. I mean, the other thing I think is that this gets this is this rule, for yes, it kind of loses, in the, you lose some flavor this way, mm-hmm. but you also get rid of what, I guess I've always had it called fluffy commander rules, and really this was the last kind of fluffy commander rule, <clears throat> where it was just another thing that people learning the format had to come up with. Yeah, it's
0: one of the last ones, I think.
1: Well, other than, like, you have a commander and can't put cards in your deck that don't match its color identity, but yeah, those, com- those fluffy commander rules are not so fluffy. Like, that's what yeah. makes it
0: commander. <laughs> Well, mm, yeah, okay. I still think um if there, I I do think that if their colorless symbol hadn't been printed, this rule wouldn't have been changed.
1: Um, uh, maybe. <clears throat> I mean, th- sure. I guess I, I like I said. I like that this is getting like this streamlines the game. I guess is the words that I liked that I think it's yeah. fit more, and that's a that's a good thing. And making the uh like getting rid of gotcha moments and stuff like that mm-hmm. are. Useful. And really this doesn't affect that much stuff. Like this makes Celestial Dawn bad. This makes uh Gauntlet of Power possibly worse or better. It makes Praetor's Grasp and Send Triplets work kinda how you want them to. Yep.
0: Yeah. That's the other thing is that it, it makes all some older cards that weren't designed with Commander in mind work the way they're supposed to. Uh-huh. And it makes it so that they kind of have to stop accounting for that weird rule when they're doing designs now. Yep. Um, the next rule is one I'm actually much less fond of now that I've played with it a little bit, and it's, uh, the change to the mulligan rule.
1: Yeah, um, once again, another fluffy commander rule going away. It was the, uh, they've changed how you do mulligans in commander, that now you do them just like any other game of Magic.
0: You basically no more partial pairs mulligans. It is just just generic normal mulligans, Mm -hmm. which prevents someone from doing the whole "I'm gonna hold this soul ring and I'm gonna pitch back the rest of my hand and get something new." But the entire reason for partial pairs in the first place was that it made singleton decks more consistent. Mm-hmm. And what I've found is that if you're playing in a color that has troubles with consistency in the first place, so basically if you're not playing blue or green or black with a lot of, like, Sign and Blood or Night's Whisper effects, then you are going to be having some problems because of this new Mulligan rule. You, you, you might have to re-examine your deck a bit.
1: Uh, sure. I mean, yeah, I'll say yes to re-examine. I won't say it's going to be a problem long term. Like yeah. If you're if you're used to the digging, you know if you're used to digging fifteen cards deep in your deck when you start the game mm-hmm. to sculpt your hand and can't do that anymore, yes, that changes how you need to build your deck. But I don't think it's a I don't think it's a gloom and doom type thing. I think this is Again another kind of like weird fluffy thing, and the best part about this is this makes my life as a judge as somebody who occasionally works commander events at larger places like GPS mm-hmm. this is great because no one actually knows how to mulligan
0: all right fair enough
1: like, I, I, is- I,
0: I was just oh. upset because it kind the rule kind of hurts mono white and mono red decks the worst and I don't feel like those are the ones that need to be picked on
1: <laughs> uh, I would I would argue that like mono white doesn't need the card fill... Like, I'm not worried about getting color-screwed in mono-white.
0: It, it, it's more about get... Never mind. I'm, I'm, I won't have this discussion. It's more about getting, like, the right tempo cards.
1: <laughs> right. But at, at that point, build your deck to get those tempo cards. Mm. Um, You just you, you don't get to go through the first third of your deck anymore. No. Okay. Now, admittedly, this is... uh Even in, like, the article that Sheldon Mannery put out about this, and that, like, most... Like, I, a lot of counterplay groups have the multi-keepable seven rule (laughs) like Like, that's that's how like basically in in my life when i'm playing commander it's if your hand blows ship it back and get a different seven yeah exactly and just go until you keep them this is for you know if you're gonna play with the official rules that would be it but make up what works for you yeah and then we get to the banning (laughs) hallelujah
0: oh yes the, uh, the, the much requested, and, uh, as you pointed out, we kind of predicted this banning.
1: Yeah, we've la- real good. <laughs> <laughs>
0: in our last episode, we were, uh, we were talking about how this card needs to go, and then, poof! It, like it magic,
1: went. it was gone! It went. Hallelujah. Prophet of Crufix is banned.
0: Yeah. Um, Goodbye, I won't miss yeah, you.
1: <laughs> yeah, I won't, as, as somebody who played the hell out of that card, will not miss it at all.
0: Yeah, Seedborn Muse, Muse is a really, really powerful effect. So is uh Veloc and Orrery. You don't need to staple those together.
1: Right, and and you had one shot to get rid of it. was the, the turn they cast it, and hope you had instant speed removal, because once they untap, they're going to stop you from killing it. Yep. And it was kind of doing, I think it was doing the same thing Emrakul was doing, where it, the game became about who can either bribery, clone, copy, or steal this. Yeah, well, uh, I think Sheldon Mennery
0: was saying that, like, that's what the game... W- that the biggest problem was that people were no longer putting profit of crufix in their simic decks they were playing simic so they could run profit of
1: crufix yeah and so this is this is not a change that i think anyone like everyone even like the de- the, the hardcore green blue players are going yeah <laughs> yeah it's about right yeah now are there a couple other cards that we could rant about sure, but this is this is a uh, card that was egregious enough that I think it deserved the panic. God, yeah, uh,
0: and I haven't seen that many people complaining that it was gone, right?
1: Yeah, like... <laughs> Which, and considering that the Magic World is prone to dumpster fires, like you would not believe. Right? Yeah, like, okay. everyone's everyone's going. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it, it, even if
0: I don't agree, I understand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but moving on, we've got some emails and yeah. uh, comments, and they're almost about the same thing. <laughs>
1: Yeah, why don't you go ahead and, uh, go ahead and just, let's do the gist of both of them. Sure. Uh,
0: we got an email from Stark Maximum and a, uh, comment from Jinshi, and they're both, uh, start off, or, da 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 da, da. Yeah, so, Jinshi starts off by saying, awesome podcast, good work, guys, and da-da-da-da, which I would like to say, thank you, Jinshi. Yay! Um... He also says that he just wants to write a little bit about Jory N. Uh I think she does have potential to lead a pretty strong deck. And then he envisions it playing kind of like Storm, but not necessarily using uh, Storm cards. You play a lot of low-cost uh, cantripy cards and instant speed, and you play two spells a turn in order to really maximize on Jory N's draw. Um, and he's like, "This is just a rough idea for a deck. Uh I I agree that it doesn't really stand out, but she does have some potential." Uh, Stark Maxim says, "Hey, a lot of people are sort of mulling over what to do with uh, Jorian, and while most people would uh, seem to get stuck with the whole storm and combo angle, I feel like Jorian is the first. Is it general that doesn't require some ridiculous series of machinations to operate, and can instead head a simple you uh blue red aggro shell." Um. He goes on to say that he he basically wants to make, like, a Lysolda-style aggro deck or an Edric-style aggro deck, but with uh, Jorianne but he's not sure how to do that, because he's not sure how to do efficient kind of aggro tempo. So, he recommends something uh, different to do with Jorian and then asks for advice for the aggro. So, we'll talk about the advice for the aggro after, but first... Um, this is the second time we have said that we weren't impressed by an Is it general, and then everyone else came out and was like, "But wait, you just don't understand,
1: right? Maybe maybe we do not get the Is mindset. Like
0: maybe, maybe we aren't the... there.
1: Yeah, I mean this is this is it's funny because you're a very retro red mage and I'm very much a blue mage, but for some reason this is just not our chocolate and peanut butter, which it seems like it would be. Yeah, but like I love other Is it generals. I think
0: Melic is a super cool card design. I like. uh... I like both NIV mizzets I like
1: um are you a closet Tyber and Lumina fan? Oh man.
0: Yes yeah, t- all the way. I don't even remember what they they give stuff flying, that's what they do. They're so bad.
1: Card's real bad. Nim the pain is fun. Arts is awesome. Yeah, uh and and here's the thing is I, I totally get where you guys are coming from on in JariN. And actually, to be honest, I will admit if there's something cool to do with Jorian, I believe there is. I firmly believe there is. I just don't see it. <laughs> and I agree that it's probably some like is it kinda aggro tempo go 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 plan?
0: Yep. I I don't see it. I don't think the general's that good. In that deck I would much, much, much rather run Nin. I think you draw more cards off of Nin and you have the option to remove stuff if you really need to. But I mean if if that's your thing, go for it. Try I'm like try Jorian I'm not gonna laugh at you for trying it.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like I like I will be on like I I will be the first to admit that I'm not saying Jorian's not cool. I'm not saying Jorian's not that all that powerful. It says draw a card on it, which is my favorite words in Magic. But I just don't know how to I don't know how to make this work. I I I, I don't know how this machine functions. It seems to operate on some
0: kind of electricity,
1: right? Like like this is you know. <clears throat> Secret and dark arts that I do not understand. Yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, it's uh, it's fucking ridiculous. Yeah. But whatever. Um, the.
1: Well, about aggro.
0: Yeah, no. Let's uh, let's talk about uh, let's talk about aggro and how to make that work because mm-hmm. this is kind of my area of expertise. I'm sorry, folks, if we fi- sound slightly off from our usual tempo. Both Nolan and I have just woken up. Yeah, I we're doing like this should, we're actually, yeah, do we're trying to re-
1: Yeah, we're trying to record this in the morning, uh, which, is which is not our style. Right. Like, yeah, I am very much a night person and the sun is thinking about coming up. Yeah. <laughs> the sun is like really giving it a a, <laughs> a a concerted like mulling over, but it's a little pensive. <laughs> yeah. If I were driving, I have to have my headlights on right now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but um yes, agroplan. Uh, this will definitely wake me up because I know how to do this. Um in aggro, in order to win an EDH, you have two methods. You can either make your creatures, uh, higher quality threats than your opponent is able to deal with, or, uh, and you outpace their answers that way. And, uh, that is what you usually see in a Voltron or ramp strategy. Uh, you either throw a bunch of equipment on a guy to make him so high quality that your opponent has to expend a lot of resources in order to stop him, and then you, you go again and your opponent's out of resources and you beat the crap out of them. Uh, ramp works the same way. You ramp up to a huge amount of mana and instead of building a guy, you just make one, uh, just cast one big giant dude that takes a bunch of resources to kill and then you cast another big giant dude. Um, the way to make the smaller efficient aggro strategy works or work is by winning that resource fight by constantly keeping yourself gassed up and at the same time playing tiny threats that harass your opponent. So the way that you would do this with a Jorian deck, or at least how I would recommend doing it, would be to really capitalize on that card draw and also run other ways to cart, draw cards. So you're constantly being gassed up. Uh, stuff like Ophidian creatures, a lot of stuff that says when this card deals damage to an opponent, draw a card. Or like Augur of Bolus and stuff like that. Or um, who's the mind claw Shaman. Stuff that gives you a resource when it enters the battlefield. Kiki-Jiki, Zealous Conscripts, stuff that gets you more stuff for playing it, so it's not just a body on its own. Um And then you also play stuff that hurts your opponent's ability to stop you. Uh, Venser the Creature would be a really good thing to run in a Jorian Agro deck because you can just bounce a blocker, or it, even like use it as a counterspell, or set them back on tempo by bouncing a land. Avalanche Riders has always had a big place in a lot of red aggro decks, um, Manic Vandal, stuff like that. Stuff that is hurting your opponent while you're also hurting their life total. And it makes it so that you end up with a full tank of gas while they're constantly sort of running on empty, trying to stop you and slow you down. That's how you make the weenie tempo aggro thing work in EDH, because you can't just usually rush down super, super quick.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, traditional, like... Traditional, like, if you were, say, cube drafting or, you know, corset drafting where you can go aggro threat, aggro threat, aggro threat, win doesn't work in multiplayer 40 lifeland. No. So keeping yourself fueled up long enough to keep the pressure on. Mm-hmm. And also, it's kind of a picking your battles thing. Like, a lot of times, like, you can't just go balls out aggro and make yourself public enemy number one. Because yeah. you'll just die on the backswing. Because yeah. the problem is while you while you hammer someone to... Low and unpleasant life. The other two are building up and going. Hey, wait a second.
0: <laughs> yeah. The, so you want to be you want to be careful with that. Um. But look, when when you're picking the creatures for your deck, uh, you want a couple big finisher threats, uh, stuff that can really get in there and deal damage. But mostly you're looking at harassing your opponent's resources with the tiny creatures and increasing yours. Mm-hmm. If only Blazing Specter was. Is <laughs> it?
1: Right. Is this? Like I could, I could thoroughly dig playing like an is it tempo deck? Like mm-hmm. as somebody, as somebody who used to play Counterburn burn and legacy back when that was a deck. Like this could be the this could be the general for that shell. Yeah, like, the... I'm just gonna play a counter spell and a burn spell and just goblin guides and counter I still like nin better, but that's just me. <laughs> yeah, and I I have a soft spot for nin because that was the first like blue red general that seemed appealing to me at all, way <laughs> yeah. back in the day. Yeah. Like. Back when it was Tyburn, Lumina, Old Niv-Mizzet, Combo Engine, and Nim.
0: <laughs> yep. So, uh, I believe that is all the pre-show notes for today, aren't they?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think we can go ahead and hop into the, uh, actual set review, which, the set is cool. I'm just gonna throw that out there right now. Yeah. The set is sweet.
0: <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the set is super, super cool. Thank you very much, uh, to Stark Engine for those emails, um uh definitely keep sending them in if you have any more questions about what we followed your follow uh bleh definitely send in more questions if you want to follow up on our responses sorry that they're late we did record a response earlier
1: yeah and and it's weird because it truly like is warped and distorted as though cause like mess with it so yeah it it turns
0: out we were recording underwater the whole time
1: and we didn't know yeah Anyway, um, so let's go ahead and hop into this set review.
0: All right? Absolutely. This is, I guess, oh, set. Yeah, this is a fun set. It is
1: a fun set. And we're going to start with card number one, cause card number one is sweet.
0: Yes, go um, ahead.
1: Card number one is Deceiver of Form, and this is colorless in six. It is a 8-8 Eldrazi, so an 8-8 for seven ain't bad. And then it has this sweet ability. At the beginning of combat on your turn, reveal the top card of your library. If it's a creature card, is revealed this way. You may have creatures you control other than Deceiver of Form become copies of that card until end of turn. You may put that card on the bottom of your library.
0: Yep, it <laughs> is... I believe I said that it was kind of like a big blue card, but in colorless so everyone could play with it
1: yeah this card is kind of sweet, like I don't know like trying to make like in my mind making this card work is kind of weird, like trying to come up with how I'm going to like I have to be playing enough threats, I have to play enough things to make small dudes, but enough big dudes to hit with deceiver reform. Which, yeah. I don't know what that... Is that, like, Rith the Awakener, I guess, is <laughs> the deck I think of? Maybe? I don't know. I don't know. And this is not
0: a card that is... Necess- this is going to be a very hit-and-miss card. It's just that when it hits, it's going to be awesome.
1: Yeah. One one time, you're going to have, like, six guys out hit a 6-6 six, six and just go,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. That being said, this card is cool. Like... This is a a neat idea of going. I'm going to, and the best part is too, is that you can just kind of like leave that big scary threat on top and have kind of an it's coming moment, or you can ship it away. Like this is mm-hmm. some card filtering too.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I mean, why would you ship it away though? You always just be like, okay, kill Deceiver of Form, and then I'm just gonna play the big thing.
1: But if you like, if I if it's turned bajillion and I show a land, mm-hmm. it's like, yep, put that land on the bottom. We don't oh, yeah, draw another land. Man, can you imagine if you turn
0: a bunch of your tokens into an Inferno Titan?
1: Right? Like, uh, that's just, that's all I want to do with this. Just (laughs) play, like, some, like, red token, like, Prosh or Perforos list, Mm -hmm. and just, I hit! (laughs)
0: All right. Uh, moving on, we have Eldrazi Mimic, which is another kind of cool card. Just uh, a lot of the Eldrazi, they don't feel like the old overpowering Eldrazi that they were before, but they feel like they're doing really novel kind of neat things. And this one is—it uh, also a...
1: gives you an Eldrazi deck that's not a ramp deck, which is kind of cool. Like yeah. there's there's some build, not so much for EDH, but for like standard, there's probably an Eldrazi aggro and an Eldrazi mid range decks, which is something mm-hmm. that never happened in Rise. Um,
0: it is a two mana, two one. Uh, it costs two, uh,
1: not colorless. color
0: It costs two mana of any color. Uh, and whenever another colorless creature enters the battlefield under your control, you may change Eldrazi Mimic's base power and toughness to that creature's power and toughness until end of turn. Uh, yeah, this is a super nasty, like, surprise little aggro thing. Uh, it could run in some EDH uh, artifact decks, but like we said, it was, it is more likely to find a home in Standard or Modern.
1: Yeah. Um, I guess we're gonna go one at a time for a while, because Endbringer is also cool.
0: Endbringer is probably
1: broken. (laughs) Yeah, this card is also sweet. This is, a, an Eldrazi, this is a 5 5 for colorless and 5. Um, for an Eldrazi, obviously. Untap Endbringer during each other player's untap step. Mm-hmm. Then it's tap, Endbringer deals 1 damage to target creature or player. Colorless and tap, target creature <laughs> can't attack or block this turn. 2 colorless and tap, draw a card. Yep. This this does everything that you and I want to do in a card. It does a lot of stuff. Uh, The problem is, is that,
0: like, It's got, really got the stink of Staff of Domination on it. Whenever you have tap abilities and the the word untap is also on it, it, the card kinda seems like it's gonna be broken. Not, and I don't really wanna play with broken cards. I wanna play with powerful, fun cards, but I'm not sure I wanna play with broken cards.
1: (laughs) Uh, I would say it's not, it's not staff levels are bad. Like, there's no way I can't, I can't use this thing's, the card text printed on this card to go infinite. I can do a lot of damage, and I can swing with a 5-5 with that kind of has pseudo-vigilance, and I can draw a bunch of cards if I have a bunch of colorless mana. Yeah, we'll see. I feel like there's a way
0: to go infinite relatively easily, some puppet uh, swing. Infinite,
1: intruder Alarm? T- is Intruder Alarm the untapped one? Whenever a creature enters the battlefield. Yeesh. Which, this doesn't help you put dudes onto the field.
0: Hang on just a second. But is it any creature?
1: Uh, I don't know off the top of my head.
0: Whenever, yeah, whenever a creature comes into play, untap all creatures. So this with Intruder Alarm is just nasty.
1: I mean, sure. Like, though you have to come up with sources of colorless mana, too, to do the really busted things. I mean, yes, you get to do damage, but... Yeah, I don't know. I feel, I
0: feel, feel like, I feel like this card might be a little too powerful. I'm okay uh, with it. I'm okay with it, but I feel like it might be a little too powerful.
1: I feel like this is a 5-5 with pseudo-vigilance that can be used as a pretty dangerous pinger.
0: It is it is a pretty dangerous finger, and it also says draw card. And you know what? If it if if you come across it, I just don't want it to be Deadeye Navigator, where it's a powerful card. Oh, that, this,
1: isn't, this isn't Deadeye Navigator.
0: I, I, I agree. It's not on that level. But I don't want to have the same thing, where every time I see it, I'm like, okay, it's not here to do cool stuff. It's here because the person found a way to break it, and now this game isn't going to be fun anymore. Mm-hmm. I just yeah, don't want I'm, that to happen.
1: Yeah. I think this card is powerful, but not come break me powerful.
0: Okay. And I hope you're right.
1: <laughs> All right, scrolling down. We've already talked about Kozilek. Hey, uh, we finally get to skip cards. Oh, we can just skip a card because the next one is also sweet.
0: Yeah, Mattery Shaper. Uh, this feels
1: the, like your jam. Go ahead. This, this card is man.
0: My friend talked about how much he wanted to put it in Felden, and I was like, eh, I don't think it's good. And then every time I'm I've looked back me? at it, uh. I, every time I've looked at it over and over again, I like it more and more. Yeah this card is cute it's um two any color and a colorless for a three two eldrazi and it has when matter reshaper dies reveal the top card of your library you may put that card onto the battlefield if it's a permanent card with converted mana cost three or less uh otherwise put that card into your hand so sun titan rules um the reason this card is awesome is because otherwise you put it into your hand so it's a three two for three that at worst draws you a card but will usually either ramp you a land or put something, a small little trinket onto the battlefield. And if you have any way to bring this thing back and kill it over and over again, that becomes amazing really quickly.
1: Yeah, this card is sweet. And I, I hadn't even thought of Felden, but you're right. Like,
0: oh, and Felden, it's busted.
1: That's what I was to say. This card is dirty. Oh.
0: <laughs> this um, I really, really like this card in anything that can reanimate yeah. it.
1: Yeah. And even if you're just in like a... I can make a bunch of colorless mana like mid rangey deck. Like like I said, worst case scenario is a three two then when it dies you draw a card.
0: Yeah, like it probably belongs in Duretti. It probably belongs in it probably belongs in quite a few decks. Yeah. I really like it.
1: Card ain't bad. Oh the next card is also sweet.
0: <laughs> yeah, you really like this card. Go ahead.
1: I do. This is reality smasher. And this is a uh colorless in four five five trample haste. And when reality smasher becomes the target of a spell an opponent controls, counter it unless its controller it discards a card. Mm-hmm. This card smashes faces and smashes realities. And it, <laughs> it is, is like it is, card big... is sweet.
0: <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, go ahead.
1: No, it's just a it's a it's a solid, like mid rangey, out of nowhere threat that's big enough to matter and some level of like you're going to pay pretty dearly to kill it with spells. Mm-hmm. And
0: it is uh, it is super cool because it's like a red green card in colorless. This is this is another case of they have taken a card that would be very at home in another color. Uh, this could easily have just been a mono green card, but they put it in colorless so everyone can play with a reality smasher.
1: Yeah, very cool.
0: Yeah, I um I feel like mono white decks, mono white like aggro decks that never have haste would kind of like this card. Sure. Uh, like any kind a
1: of mid range deck hmm. Uh,
0: for moving on, we've got a, a really good kind of, when I was talking about cards to harass your opponents in the aggro plan, this is really good for that. It's also going to be the source of a lot of debag moments, and this is Thought Not Seer. Yeah. Thought Not Seer is three mana of any color and a colorless for a 4-4. Four, four. When it enters the battlefield, target opponent reveals his or her hand, you choose a non land card from it and exile that card. And then when it leaves the battlefield, target opponent draws a card. They don't have to be the same opponent.
1: <laughs> they do not. Um They also you also have the event like this is almost like if this costs one less it'd be Vendillion click. Like
0: Yep. It is it this is definitely a powerful card. I have not looked up the price on it yet. But I'm betting that this is a card where the price is going to end up going up because it's going to see some serious play in Standard.
1: I would agree. Um, this is this is just a like I get to, and it's exile. You get, to get yes. exile their best threat. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, even if you're giving the same player that back, like even here, even if you're not the jerk who gives you the other person, you didn't thought sees the. Card at the end, like you yeah. just take their best card and replace it with a random card from the top of their library. Yeah,
0: which, as Vendilion Clique has shown us, is a very good effect. Yeah. Uh, and it, it you don't replace it right away. You don't replace it until the thing dies. Mhm. Which means they actually have to spend a card to kill it. Yeah. Uh, you want to talk about Walker of the Waste, didn't you?
1: I, I want to make it, just to the sake that this card is cool. Like I'm glad they invented this card. Walker of the Waste is a Eldrazi for colorless and 4. Trample and has Walker the Waste gets plus 1, plus 1 for each each land you control named Wastes. Which is cool. Like, this is a a cool thing to do with that Waste mechanic and those Waste cards. And if you're building a colorless EDH deck, this thing will be huge. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And I think the next interesting card we have is super interesting, and it's Warping Whale. Yep. Warping Whale is a one, uh, one mana of any color and a one colorless instant, and it has, choose one, exile target creature with power tough or toughness, one or less, which is an interesting ability, Uh counter target sorcery spell, or the most useless of the options, put a one-one colorless Eldrazi Scion creature with token onto the battlefield, it has sacrifices creature, add a co- one colorless to your mana pool. Um... This is a colorless counterspell.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Eldrazi Charm is cool.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it is, it is definitely very cool. I expect this card to be fairly ubiquitous in a lot of EDH decks. I think a lot of cards are just gonna run, uh, a lot of decks are just gonna run this for the occasionally relevant removal, but mostly for surprise counterspell. As long as they aren't multicolor. I will say that multicolor decks probably aren't gonna run this very much.
1: Yeah, if they can consistently make a colorless mana, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and exiling stuff with pow- toughness one or less, or power one or less... Is gets more relevant uti- than you think. Yeah, it gets rid <laughs> of all the utility dudes. Like, goodbye Stoneforge Mystic, goodbye Eternal Witness, goodbye... Master of Cruelties. Yeah, like, there's <laughs> a lot of stuff that's just... No, go away. <laughs> yep. Uh,
0: one of my favorite pet cards is Falcon Wrath Aristocrat, and this can actually get rid of it.
1: <laughs> yeah, wop wop.
0: Um, we have... Uh, And now we are... Hang on a sec. Oh yes, we have to talk about Eldrazi Displacer, but that's in the whites. We are out of the colorless. We are into the whites.
1: Yep, we are into the white section with Eldrazi Displacer. Uh, this is also a cool card. This is white and two for a three-three Eldrazi, uh, devoid and then colorless and two, exile another target creature, then return it to the battlefield tapped under its owner's control.
0: Yeah, I don't like this card. I
1: don't like this card because I this
0: card. See... No, I've seen Dead Eye Navigator. I know what it does. This is the same thing. I'm but <laughs> che- cheaper to cast. I don't like it.
1: This, isn't, this is not This is Dead Eye Navigator. It is. <laughs> no. Because, first of all, this can't blink itself. Okay. So you can hit this card, as opposed to not being able to hit Dead Eye Navigator. Okay. It also, oh. costs, it also costs three to blink things, not two.
0: You aren't tied up blinking a single creature. You can blink whatever you want. You can play politics and blink an opponent's creature.
1: Mm-hmm. You can use it to blink your opponent's creatures to make them come back tapped, so you can get in there,
0: or you can stop them from attacking you. This yep. is like this is this is a good card, but it's too good. I think I like I looking back on it now, like this card is too powerful. I think I'm I don't think anyone's going to enjoy playing against it. It's yeah, I'm not a fan. I think uh, I think you are vastly overestimating this card. See, you say that, but someone is going to do a bunch of blinks on an acidic slime that isn't theirs, and they're going to team up and target you, and then you're going to call me crying, and you're going to be like, Eric, you were right! <laughs>
1: First of all I will cry privately to myself and never admit to you that this happened. But uh it it also costs colorless as well. So that's a that in itself is a restriction too. Like that's That
0: is the big restriction.
1: Yeah, like that's a like I was looking the other day thinking about that and while I almost can always make a colorless it's not like I can make a million colors. It's not like making blue for Deadeye Navigator. It,
0: it, I will say that. that is, it will be much less ubiquitous, I think, than Dead Eye Navigator. And if I was to pick a color to have this effect, I'd much rather see it in white than blue.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with, like, the there don't even around there good ETB cards in white but but making the card
0: more difficult to play is not going to make it less broken when it is played it's going to mean that people who have intentionally built around it are going to be the only ones who use it so i still think that every time it shows up it's going to be a bad time
1: uh i think that i think that this is a fine thing for a white X blink deck like this card is this card is good but this card isn't broken uh well we'll see <laughs> Yeah, jury's out. <laughs> yeah. Um, All right, now we get into limited fodder that I don't care about.
0: Yeah, we're gonna, just going to stop on Call the Gatewatch to say that it is the most uh, stupidly specific tutor there is, um, and you don't actually need it.
1: <laughs> True. Play another threat, people. Play,
0: like, anything else. This is useless in Multicolor Super Friends, and Mono White Super Friends is not a thing. This uh, is... <laughs> I, might,
1: I might play it in Multicolor Super Friends just because that lets you run, like, very like specific kind of corner case answers like this would let me play like kiora against a voltron deck or obnixels if i just need to kill a creature right now
0: however in multicolor super friends you usually have access to better tutors
1: yeah like
0: that's the problem
1: mm-hmm. you would need yeah. you would
0: need not black super friends in order for this to even be close to be worth it and I don't think that. I, I still don't think you'd play it. I, yeah, I, I don't
1: think. I don't think that that exists. Like, <laughs> you Super you know friends? what? Is there enough, there's enough Jaces to make a band. Super friends die.
0: There there is, but even in <laughs> blue, you're just better off drawing a whole ton of cards. I think that this pl- gets played in Naya Super Friends. So all you Naya Super Friends players out there, yeah. uh, go nuts! Both of,
1: both of you, I'm sure, are very excited about it. <laughs> yeah.
0: Those two guys. Those two guys who play Doubling Season and Marath in their uh, and Marath at the head of their Naya Super Friends deck.
1: That sounds sweet. I was say, that deck actually,
0: now that I've said it out loud, that deck doesn't yeah. sound bad. That deck yeah, seems like, to, like got some trouble. I'd,
1: I'd like to apologize to the two Naya Super Friends players I was just insulting a second ago. That being <laughs> said, it's cool to see a card like this, that Planeswalkers are becoming a big enough part of the game that they can put that in here. Mm-hmm. That being said, if you pulled this in limited, it blows. <laughs> yes.
0: It's not <laughs> not great, but that's yeah. okay. Um moving down.
1: We've talked about General Tazri. We've
0: talked about Linbala.
1: Isolation Zone is bad O-ring number 74 mm-hmm. Costs More four,
0: expensive though. too. Yeah, yeah that's that?
1: if, if it didn't cost four, I'd be all over it. Like I like the idea of exile enchantments, but
0: There's Munda's Vanguard. If you play Allies, you will play Munda's Vanguard. If yeah. you don't play Allies, you will probably not play Munda's Vanguard. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, we hit Oath of Gideon. This card there we is go. this card is okay. Again, that Naya Superfriends deck, which actually now kind of sounds kind of sweet. Um,
0: you getting ideas now?
1: Yeah, kinda. Like I've already got like three decks I want to build, and I'm trying to get less decks. This isn't helpful. Yeah. Um, Oath of Gideon is white and two for a legendary enchantment. The non planeswalkery part is when the Oath of Gideon enters the battlefield, put two 1 1 White Core Ally creature tokens onto the battlefield, and it has each planeswalker you control enters the battlefield with an additional loyalty counter on it.
0: That is not the most powerful ability printed on these cards, but I think it's the scariest.
1: Uh, I would agree. Like, there's a lot of planeswalkers that just one more loyalty and is they're
0: scary. Yeah, they're, then they become broken. Uh, for yeah. a lot of planeswalkers, that's an entire turn less towards their ultimate.
1: hmm Um, and the the non-planeswalkery part has relevant creature types. Like, yeah, if you're playing an ally deck, if you're playing a core deck, first of all, if you're playing the second one, I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> but don't do that. Now I'm going to mention
0: some kind of awesome core deck and then you're going to be like, Oh God, I got to build one of those too. Yeah.
1: No, I do not. Um, <laughs> yeah. Cause let me tell you how much I'm in on a white aggro plan. Um, not <laughs> on a, on a poorly supported tribe. Uh, and also like, like two one ones for three isn't great. Like it's not raising the no. alarm, but like if you were really looking for another source of white tokens, I guess, I feel like I'm reaching if-
0: there. No, it, what it is is that it's an acceptable bonus. It's a nice. I. It, it is a very fairly decent icing if you wanted to play it for the planeswalker ability. Anyway, uh-huh. you would never play this for the two one white one one white course. Sure. And, unless you're playing like enchantment blink, in which case, okay, uh-huh. sure.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: But yeah, no. I. Uh, th- this is you play it to give your planeswalkers extra loyalty counters. Which is a really scary ability to have put on a card. I feel like when I see this card played against me, I'm going to want to kill it pretty quickly.
1: Yeah. So, okay. I play this. Then I play Opalescence. Then I play Dead Eye <laughs> Or then I play Eldrazi Displacer. <laughs> now I can just do it in white. I found the broken thing to do with Eldrazi Displacer. <laughs> God damn it. Okay.
0: Okay. <laughs> Moving on, we're gonna <laughs> scroll down a bunch of white cards.
1: There's a bunch of white cards here. Oh, Stonehaven Outfitter.
0: Yeah, Stonehaven Outfitter. I love this card.
1: This I think this is card a... is cool. Yeah, this is a white and one. Equipped creatures you control get plus one, plus one. And whenever an equipped creature you control, uh, whenever an equipped creature you control dies, draw a card. And this is yep. a core artificer ally. And it's a 2-2, two, two. I forgot to say that.
0: For people who play with the, uh, equipment aggro in White or Boros, uh, you know how rough it is to keep gassed up, so having another out equipment, this is the second guy who deals with equipment and says draw a card on him, the second one, or the first one was Pure Steel Paladin, I think, mm-hmm. um, and Pure Steel Paladin is amazing, so having Stonehaven Outfitter is also amazing, the fact that he gives you guys a bonus is great, the fact that he only costs two is so great uh i really really like him and extra bonus nerd points that thing he's polishing is an actual real life weapon out of china it's called a hook sword and they are nasty
1: i would imagine so so i was talking about this card with some friends of mine and we decided that the equipped creatures you control get plus one plus one is actually super important Mm -hmm. because can you imagine how filthy this would be with skull clamp if it didn't have that
0: Oh yes. That's that's the thing, is uh it it does stop a lot of skull clamp shenanigans. Yeah. Which is hey, a positive thing.
1: Yes. Yeah. Pay one sack dude draw three cards. Yeah. Pay, sack dude ancestral recall. Right? Yeah. Like that seems fair.
0: <laughs> no. But um it's also like irrelevant to the people who want to play with this style of deck. If you're playing Calemne Equipment and you play a Stonehaven Outfitter and equip Calemne, that's a plus two uh, bonus to power on what is already probably a boosted calemne,
1: Yeah, like, that's... That's probably Scary. fine. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. so, uh, however, unfortunately, I do think that is the last cool white card to talk about.
1: What, you don't want to talk about Stoneforge Acolyte? No, I don't. Wall of Resurgent?
0: No. <laughs> Uh, which brings us into my least favorite, uh, place to play, the swimming pool.
1: Yay, we're going to the pool. That being said, like, we scroll a ways before we get to our first one, which is Deep Fathom Skulker?
0: Do we want to talk about, no, we don't want to talk about this card. We mentioned this card last time because it looked like a silly frog.
1: This card, the Nematode isn't, like, okay, this has Coastal Piracy on it.
0: It's six mana.
1: I know it's six mana, but it's Coastal Piracy, and it's also, uh, six mana. I know, and then it has an ability that lets you get through stuff. Let me okay. Since so we've I've said everything on the card, let me t- read it now. Blue and five for a four for Eldrazi, uh, Devoid. Whenever ever a creature and you control and or uh, wow English. Do I speak it? Whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to a player, you may draw a card. And then it has colors in three. Target creature can't be blocked this turn. So it gives you a way to kind of get in there in blue.
0: Yeah, you know what the problem is? Is that coastal piracy costs one less, and Biden of Thassa is better than both of them and costs two less. Right?
1: If you're looking for a third coastal piracy, nematode, nematode, nematode. You didn't like
0: that it's the nematode.
1: <laughs> I've opened seven of these now. Oh
0: my god, why?
1: I have two of them foil.
0: <laughs> okay, I'm beginning to understand why you're hoping this card is a thing,
1: <laughs> right? Like this card needs to like spike at the Pro Tour, please.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's not gonna happen. Um, Dimensional Infant- Infiltrator will not be talked about in depth. It is a mostly irrelevant card for EDH, except if you can generate infinite colorless mana, you can mill your opponent out. And you can mill, you you can uh, completely mill them in the sense that you are going to be exiling the top of their library, not even milling it. So this is a combo card. And it's cheap, it's got flash, so it's a really, really good combo card. However, you have to generate infinite for colorless
1: mana 1st you could also like this is probably a fine edric card, in yeah, that it's, well, it's a, a cheap low cost. Flyer. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a two one devoid flash flyer two one with yeah. white and colorless uh, target opponent exiles a top card of his or her library. If it's land, you can bounce it. Yep. Yeah.
0: Profit of distortion will let you gen- uh, draw infinite cards if you can generate infinite colorless mana. However, it costs four to draw a card.
1: <laughs> yeah, I would play Asia Mage over this.
0: Yes. Uh um... That's that's
1: not an endorsement. <laughs> Like, I, I, trust mm. me, I look at any card that says draw a card on it, but... <laughs>
0: <laughs> Take a good, hard look at it, and then I'm like, oh, no, this one sucks.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, da, 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 da. We have the Ooh. Devoided uh, Dissipate now. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Foils of it are as pretty as you think they are. Well, okay, fair. There you go. The, the ancient crabs, uh, the
0: crabs in this set are not up to snuff. For the original uh, Zendikar run of crabs. Right? I've seen Definitely nothing... less crab. I've seen nothing that stands up to the might that is the Hedron crab.
1: Yeah, the <laughs> Uh Crush of Tentacles.
0: Do we want to talk about this?
1: <laughs> uh, like, some people keep telling me this is good, but this is not upheaval. I'm really spoiled by upheaval.
0: Yeah. It's also not Cyclonic Rift.
1: Yeah, that's also true. I mean, it does leave you a giant blue octopus if you surge it.
0: It's kind of that distort.
1: Or, um, what's that? It's just like the Miracle one. Yeah, the
0: the Miracle one's better, though, because the Miracle one costs five all the time, and two some of the time. This one costs six all the time, sometimes five, and the only bonus is that you get a big vanilla beater, but, like, if you want to wipe the board and have a big vanilla beater, why don't you just play Ixidron?
1: Right. Or, uh, Frix... Phryx- or, um... Uh, the, it's the friction Wrath of Gods that kills all yeah. creatures and leaves you a horror. friction okay. Rebirth. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, this just isn't that cool. Um, Gift of Tusk is not nearly as good as uh, Rapid Hybridization or Pongify, and I'm very happy about that, because it's hard for a blue deck to immediately kill a 3-3. You have to be real sneaky about it. That being said, you love this card, don't you, Noel?
1: This card's kind of this is a this is a blue pseudo removal spell, and if my option is take three from an elephant or take you know bajillions from Craterhoof Behemoth, the three seems better. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, I thought you just liked it because it turned people into elephants.
1: It does. I can make a whole pack of pack of derms.
0: Um, okay, we have an Exodia card. We have an Exodia card that we can't play, but it's an Exodia card.
1: Right? Hey, you could play it as a you know. Two one hexproof blue and one scry two or scry yeah. one.
0: No. If you need so, an
1: scry, come on Thassa. Hedrin al- second Hedron the alignment. Worst thing for
0: <laughs> no. He uh we are not we are not playing the terrible Thassa. Um Hedron Alignment is not playable to EDH players, so we're not gonna talk about it. However, I just want to point out from a card design standpoint, super, super cool. Yeah.
1: It is is a neat card. Also sucks because this was a possible pre-release rare. Oh yeah, that would have been rough Chief Chief. Yeah, no,
0: that's not it's not a good place to be. I, I almost wish it was like at Mythic so people wouldn't pull it as often. But then if you pull uh, that as your mythic, you kinda cry.
1: Yeah, I'd be I'd be real more mad if it was a mythic. <laughs> <laughs> uh
0: now we hit or Jace's oath.
1: Yeah, Oath of Jace. Uh blue and two when it enters the battlefield, draw 3, then discard 2, and then at the beginning of your upkeep, scry X, where X is the number of Planeswalkers you control. Um, eh,
0: probably the weakest of the Oaths. No, eh, mm, Uh,
1: no. Maybe not the
0: weakest. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> this is, Okay, so this is a draw 3, discard 2, which is... I, I mean, for the same cost, you could play Perilous Research... Not Perilous Research, um... Uh, not frantic search. What's the card? Uh, divination. Well, you could play divination. You could play uh, um thirst for knowledge. Yeah, it's
0: like, there, it, this is
1: this is probably on par. Yeah. But you don't need to like you don't have like this is a fine draw spell, and you don't have to play fine draw spells in commander.
0: No, you can play the best draw spells. Right. Um, and that ability to scribe for your planeswalkers is not terribly relevant, especially since you're already playing blue planeswalkers. So you're probably looking at the top of your library a lot. Mm
1: -hmm. Now that being said, like blue is one of the blue or blue X has one of the kind of suite of planeswalkers that is the most playable in commander.
0: Um, it's got some of the more playable ones. I do personally think that black probably has the most playable ones? Uh,
1: I disagree. When you start split, like blue X, because like okay, in blue, blue X. you have all the you have all the jaces which are all somewhat playable, some more than others. Mm-hmm. You have Tomio, who's fine. You have both the Tesserets. You have Kiora is fine. Uh, Dak and Ralzeric.
0: Dak I and Ralzeric are real
1: good. <laughs> yeah, I think I think. Blue, if you're going to pick a color, like, black has Obnixilis, it has two L- of the Lilianas that are playable.
0: Uh, it's got Sorin in his many, uh, flavors and varieties.
1: Yeah, which is all, which are all playable. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um, this card is, eh,
0: yeah, I, I think that if, even if you're playing Super Friends, you probably don't run this card.
1: Yeah, I don't, like, if, like, the only thing I can think of is that this gives you a kind of love it and leave it, I. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, I no longer have to worry about library manipulation if I play this in Super Friends.
0: Yeah, maybe. But you still need Planeswalkers. It does right. nothing without Planes... Eh,
1: maybe. But if you're playing if you're playing Super Friends, the idea is that you have out Planeswalkers. Yeah, but you know, like
0: if you have a Planeswalker out, you can probably already look at the top of your library with most of the blue walker. Never mind. It's, uh... I I don't like it in Super Friends. I would much rather have the White Oath. Or Oath we're going to see later on.
1: Yeah. Jury is still out.
0: <laughs> yes. Overwhelming Delisle is a strict upgrade on uh, last word word. in in everything except for flavor text.
1: This is true. (laughs)
0: Um, And then we scroll down and we have... The Sphinx of Nope. The Sphinx of Nope, you shall not pass.
1: Yeah. Will you be playing this card? Nope. (laughs) Um, This is blue and five for a 5-5 Sphinx. Uh, This is Sphinx of the final word. Um, it cannot be countered, it has flying and hexproof, and instant and sorcery spells you control can't be countered by spells or abilities.
0: The only unfortunate thing with this Sphinx is that I feel like he is uh, hes too expensive for the I don't want my stuff to be countered. I feel like part of what makes vexing shisher and spellbreaker he- behemoth amazing is that they come down before all the big stuff. So it makes it so the big stuff can't be countered. Uh this guy costs 7.
1: <laughs> yeah, and here's the thing is looking at this card, 7 is what it's supposed to ca- cost probably like looking at all the abilities on this card. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, I mean this card needs to cost 7, but I think it kind of prices itself out of being a Yeah. Like in a, in a blue deck. Looking at the, like, don't get me wrong, if your meta is saturated with blue permission decks, this card is probably fine. Mm-hmm. Like, if you, if you are living in the land of blue note cards, then...
0: Then the, this is a good way to win those fights, but, like, Teferi is a cheaper way to win those fights.
1: Yeah, and there's just, you know, like, seven man is a lot to pay for a threat like that.
0: Yeah. Like,
1: being means... like kind of... Go ahead.
0: No, uh, go, you go first.
1: The kind of decks that want the ability to keep all their instants and sorceries from being countered, don't want to spend seven mana on their turn to stick a threat.
0: Yep. Yeah. That being said, from an art perspective, this might be my favorite Sphinx, because this guy looks like the retired linebackers of Sphinxes. He's got this massive beard, and I've never seen a Sphinx look this barrel chested.
1: Yeah, I would say this Sphinx looks ripped.
0: Yeah, when when people were talking about, like, okay, so Hydra's the big green creature, and then the the demons are the big black creature, and dragons are the big red creature, and blue gets sphinxes, isn't that cute? This guy looks like he could probably take on a, a demon or a dragon. <laughs> right? Like, This is Tackle Sphinx.
1: <laughs> yeah, pretty much. All
0: right, uh, moving down. Oh, ah, I think we're out of the water.
1: Sweet. Yeah, I think we're gonna have black cards, and the first black card we get is kind of saucy too. Bear of Silence is a black and one uh, for a two one Eldrazi to void. When you cast Bear of Silence, you may pay white or sorry one and a colorless. If you do tar- uh, target target opponent's sacks a creature, and then it has flying and can't block. It is uh, Gatekeeper of
0: Malakir. Yep, slightly more expensive, flying. It's an okay card. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd much rather have my Fleshbag Marauders, but this is an okay card.
1: Yeah, um, it flies, which, if you're in, like, a, am trying to figure out the kind of deck that wants this, like, it's a black, mm-hmm. tempo-y deck, I guess? Mm-hmm. Like, it,
0: like, it, the thing is, is that, like, the kind of deck that would like, like, this is, like, my old Lysolda Aggro deck, and I don't think I play this in my old Lysolda Aggro deck.
1: Sure, I guess that's probably it. Like, like, yeah, it flies, but it can't block, so you can't yeah. just, like, uh, I mean, if, on the other hand, Chainergy to Staple-Dude is Okay. It's, it's okay, but
0: like you play Tino's Edict because it costs 2. You, you, yeah. you don't play it because it costs 4. This mm-hmm. The reason we want this card to be good is because we know how good this card is going to be in, more, in in other formats. In yeah, standard, 60, limited yeah. even. Uh, yeah,
1: in 60-card like, land, this card's real good.
0: Yes, but uh, in EDH, it just doesn't quite have the punch. Mm-hmm. Dread Defiler, on the other hand, looks like a card that was designed for EDH
1: and it's awful
0: (laughs) yeah it's not good I, i i used to like it more than i do it is it is a six and a black for a six eight with the void and you can pay three into colorless to exile a creature card from your graveyard or for, yeah, from your graveyard, target opponent loses life equal to the exiled card's power. There's some silliness you can do with this card, but you're probably just better off reanimating.
1: Right? Like this is that's just it. I don't want to I don't want to exile my graveyard to do stuff like that.
0: No, if and, it was if, if it was your opponent's graveyard, which I think is how I initially read it, that would be a lot better.
1: Yeah, that card would be sweet. And if it didn't, if it said each opponent instead of target opponent, I might yeah. be interested.
0: Also, would be sweet, but, but it does not say either of those things.
1: Yeah. Unfortunately, i not dealing damage. There's so much wrong with that card. Yeah.
0: All right. Can we talk about a real cool card? I don't <laughs> know if it's good, but it's it's frigging cool.
1: Oh, yeah. This one. <laughs> so we
0: we are going to talk about Inverter of Truth. An Inverter of Truth belongs in one of my favorite categories of cards. I love Abyssal Persecutor. I have a, uh, assigned Abyssal Persecutor that I got off of, uh, Buddy. The, the, it is one of my favorite cards. It is a, I love the category of paying too much or, or too little for a threat that is too much with a huge, big downside. Uh, with Abyssal Persecutor, the downside is that you can't win the game while it's on the battlefield. Inverter of Truth belongs in that same family. It is too colorless and too black. For a devoid flying 6-6. Six, six. So a 6-6 six, six with evasion for 4. It's got to have a downside. And with this, the downside is when it enters a battlefield, you exile all the cards from your library face down, and then you shuffle all the cards from your graveyard into your library. Yeah. This is super neat.
1: Okay, so this card is not a commander card. No. Like this card is this card is a sweet limited. I've I've played in one numerous games because of this unlimited. Mm. Like trying the machine you're going to have to build to make this work in commander. It's like
0: I don't know, I don't even know how like the person who makes this work it, it, it's amazing. I don't know what it is though. Like I don't know how you do that.
1: Right? Um yeah, I don't I don't think this is a a great commander card. Like no. we were trying to like okay I traumatize myself. Yeah. <laughs> and that, any, any chain of play that starts with that is not going anywhere fast.
0: Really? And any I, sentence you ever utter in your life that starts with, okay, I'm going to start by traumatizing I'm myself. myself.
1: <laughs> rethink what you're doing. Right. Magic-related, life-related, anything. Yeah. And then, and then uh, another Tumblr joke, but but uh, <laughs> then um, then you play like murderous cut, dig through time. Uh, all the delve spells you can—Germag Angler, delve to get rid of all the junk out of your library. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then, like, this machine's getting pretty wobbly. <laughs> yeah,
0: no, this is this is not this is not a good card in EDH, but it is a super super cool card. It's
1: a cool card. I have a foil one now. <laughs>
0: Is the foil beautiful? <laughs> the
1: foil is really pretty. All these devoid cards are really, really pretty.
0: I also love that it is, like, clearly against the backdrop of clouds, and it has turned the clouds geometric. That is a really inspired piece of art.
1: Yeah, that is cool. Uh,
0: Moving on from the cool but unplayable card.
1: Uh, da-da-da. Do I want an exile target creature for four mana?
0: Probably not. And you already have better ones.
1: Yeah. It's Except just for the bloodlines. Black... Oh, Yeah. That mm-hmm. costs 5, doesn't it? No, it costs
0: 4, and it's got flashback.
1: Oh, yeah, skip that. Um... Sifter of Skulls? I love That'd... me some incremental advantage.
0: Yeah, let's talk about Sifter of Skulls.
1: Yeah, this is a 4-3 uh, for four, Black and 3 Eldrazi Devoid, and whenever another non-token creature you control dies, put a 1-1 colorless Eldrazi Scion creature token onto the battlefield with uh, Sacket to add all the Sciony stuff. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all that Scion, Jet. You That's know right. what the Scions do. Yeah, at this point, we know what those do. This card's cool. I like incremental advantage on cards. This card's cool. The problem is is that it is the
0: uh, this is the sequel to Sponsire of And it costs one more. I think it's Sponsire of or Pawn of, Pawn of Yeah, and it costs one more and I would rather pay one mana less to have zero one one Eldrazi then pay one mana more to have one one Eldrazi. I think.
1: Yeah, I almost wish I almost wish this was a three four.
0: Yeah, because then it would be a little little harder to kill. Right. Yeah. No, it's just it, it the the first one was better. That's all. The yeah, three I... mana two two that did a very similar thing was better, and I rarely play that card, so I don't see myself ever playing this card.
1: Yeah, I don't. I you don't want to attack with this. Like, no. I really wish this was a three four. Anyway. Yeah.
0: <laughs> But that being said, still a neat card. And if mm-hmm. you don't have a... Well, you know what? If you don't have a pot of Ulamog, go get one. It's an uncommon. It's cheaper than this.
1: Yes. Uh, We can talk
0: about Witness the End just because of how cool that art is.
1: We can talk about Visions of Brutality for the same reason then. Why is there a White Walker on my magic card?
0: Yeah. Well, v- Visions of Brutality is like, hey, there's a White Walker on my magic card. Witness the End is like, oh, that's what it's like to be within kissing distance of Ulamog. Mm-hmm.
1: Right? Oh, by the way, this card in foil also super pretty.
0: I can imagine. Yeah, uh, Witness the End has Ulamog and Kozilek in all their glory, and I love it because it's doing a really good job of highlighting the difference in the design between the two.
1: Yeah, the design and the color spec of them, too. Yeah. You get that thing. Ulamog is definitely red, white, and blue, where Kozilek is like green, purple, and orange.
0: Yep. And Kha'Zix, like, covered in this, like, full-plate armor, essentially, and Ulamog has all this exposed muscle tissue. Yeah, it, it's very,
1: very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, is Chosen is another ally card you're playing if you're playing allies. It's good if you're playing allies. If you're not playing allies, who cares? Kalidas, we've talked about. Mm-hmm. Remorseless Punishment isn't good. It, why? Here's the problem with this card. Okay, this tell us is... what the
0: card is before you tell okay. us why it sucks.
1: Remorseless Punishment is black, black, and three. And it says target opponent loses five life unless that player discards two cards or sacrifices a creature or planeswalker. Okay. Repeat this process once. Mm. So in theory, you go, they're going to lose ten life. Or they're going to lose, you know, this is, this is, it's never going to do what you want it to. No, because it gives them the choice. Right. And the choices are all of theirs, and it's, yeah, yeah discard two cards, or sacrifice a creature, planes like, yeah, like, this is going to be probably an overcosted barter in blood. Yes. Or sack a creature, discard two cards, which I don't want to pay five mana for. Yeah, uh, or, sack, or, or I, a lose five life, sack a creature. Yeah, that's
0: the that's the most likely one to me. Lose five life, sack a creature, or sometimes lose five life, discard two cards. It, or sometimes even, like, lose ten life when it doesn't matter. This card is never going to do exactly what you want it to do.
1: Right, and this is the old, like, browbeat conversation. Mm-hmm, Exactly. Like, this card's never as good as you think it is. However,
0: I will say that I didn't realize that the people being punished in this picture were Nissa, Jason, Gideon until a recent uh, a recent fiction article.
1: Yeah, I didn't either. Turns yeah.
0: out, yeah. Turns out that uh, those, those are the super friends over there getting there, having a really, really bad day. Yeah. But uh, the, the art makes it really hard to tell that.
1: <laughs> yeah, getting punished remorselessly. You really can't see Gideon. Like you can you can kind of go okay that's an elf and go okay that's Nyssa.
0: Yeah. It, it's like okay there's an elf so it's probably Nyssa and then Jace you can look like okay it's a dude who's wearing blue. Gideon is just kind of
1: Rrr. Yeah.
0: Anyway, scrolling, we pass a bunch of cards that aren't EDH cards. Oh, and I think we're out of the black cards.
1: Yep. The consuming sinkhole. We won't talk about that art. Moving on. No, we
0: aren't. We aren't. Stop it.
1: <laughs> Do you need um, a towel? <laughs> no, no, I don't
0: need a towel. I need an adult. <laughs> um, Eldrazi Obligator is cool. It's less good than Zealous Conscripts, but if you li- really like that effect, attached to a creature you can play eldrazi obligator it is uh two under red for a devoid three one and when you cast eldrazi eldrazi obligator you may pay one in a colorless if you do gain control of target creature until end of turn untap that creature and it gains haste until end of turn and it also has haste what
1: yeah that card has haste why
0: didn't they put the haste at the top where the keyword
1: because it goes in the order of the things that things matter in the card So it's devoid. Then when you cast the trigger, and then the abilities on the card.
0: Okay, yeah, okay, I get it. It's just a lot of people are gonna miss the haste on that card.
1: Yeah, this card. I missed
0: the haste on that card.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, this card isn't like this card's not terrible. Like it's a it's a good solid tempo we play. Mm Mhm.
0: Yeah, it's it's just it's not quite it's not uh it's not zealous conscripts. But if you really like that card and you want another, it's good. Mm Mhm. Um, Coslix's return. If you're playing Eldrazi, this card is really, really good. Otherwise, it's utterly underwhelming.
1: Yeah. Um, Immolator Eldrazi has actually impressed me.
0: Immobilizer, you mean? Yeah. Okay. Why is that?
1: It's just a little, like it's a little tiny effect, but like seeing it play in and thinking about how it will probably play out in Commander, like this is a two-one for red and one, and then has uh, obviously Devoid, and then Colorless and two. Each creature with toughness greater than its power can't block this turn. Mm-hmm. So all your fat bottom girls can't block. <laughs> Um, it's actually, like, that's a pretty relevant thing when you think about it. And if you're in an aggro deck, I could actually see, like, paying white and two just to get past, like, the the big, art, like, dopey, I don't want to call them wall decks, but you know what I mean? Like, if I'm on an aggro plan and you're just dumping out, like, three fours and crap like that... I feel
0: like your positive experience with this in Limited is coloring your judgment.
1: Could very easily be. Because,
0: um, uh, in, in EDH, you can just play stuff that makes stuff unblockable, period. Sure. Uh, but it is like I imagine in limited, it's surprisingly good. It
1: very much is. Um, mm-hmm. so let's see. Scrolling down, we've talked about Chandra already.
0: We have indeed.
1: Um, uh,
0: Devour in Flames is worth mentioning because this is when Chandra showed up and ruined Obnixilis' uh best laid plans. Uh, I read that story. I'm glad it wasn't just Chandra showing up and beating the crap out of Omnixilis. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been a little bit much, but it it, it was just that she she showed up and kind of threw a wrinkle in things. Um, uh-huh. And the the flavor text on it is pretty darn good. Obnixilis had prepared for every eventuality, except Chandra Nalar.
1: Yeah. Devouring Flames is a reprint, isn't it? Um, no. Oh, it's new? Okay.
0: It says deal 5 damage to target creature or planes, uh, planeswalker on it, which is not a common thing to be printed. And it also has the additional cost of returning a land you control to its owner's hand. It's mm-hmm. definitely not a reprint. However, that name is definitely derivative of another name we've heard. Because, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, the name sounds familiar.
1: Yeah. So let's see. Scrolling down. Follow the Titans.
0: Oh, yes. Yes, another flavor amazing card.
1: Yay, fireballs. This is red X and X has surge for red and X. Uh, follow the titan deals X damage to each of up to two target creatures and or players.
0: Mm-hmm. This card is cool because it has, uh, the the flavor text of, as Gideon Gideon kept the Brood lineages at bay, Chandra incinerated the bound Eldrazi Titans, which means that the Gatewatch actually do get to fight back, which is cool, and it's Chandra who gets to snipe out the Titans, which is also cool.
1: Yeah. This is kind of a cool fireball. Uh,
0: yeah, it is. Uh, mechanically, it's, it's pretty good. It's double fireball. Um... But that being said, it it is only double Fireball if you Surge, which means you will never be getting the full value out of the X.
1: Sure, but, like, play Goblin Guide, do this for a bajillion damage? I don't know.
0: Double Fireball is neat, but I I don't know how much damage you'd actually get out of it. That being said, like, Fireballs are good cards. It's it's hard
1: to knock them. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, a card good. that I'm pretty sure is always going to be good. Yeah, this card's awesome, I love it! <laughs> now, this is Goblin Dark Dwellers, and it's Red Red and 3 for a 4-4 Goblin with Menace, and then when it enters the battlefield, you may cast Target, Instant, or Sorcery card with CMC 3 or less uh, from your graveyard. If that card would be put into your graveyard this turn, exile it instead.
0: This card is so good!
1: Um, yeah, I get, a, I get a 4-4 for 5 plus another spell.
0: Yes, in a relevant Tribe with uh, keywords ability it's so cool but the uh the other awesome thing about this card is that in mono red it's it's decent uh there's lots of cool stuff you can get you can get wheel of fortune you can get faithless looting you can get lightning bolt etc uh mizium mortars but when you put this in any multicolor deck it becomes amazing can you imagine for five mana playing your goblin uh dark dwellers and you get to like demonic tutor or cultivate even like it's just so much tempo. I love it. I'm gonna yeah. put this in my uh my om nom nom nath deck that I'm making. I'm mm-hmm. really excited.
1: <laughs> Even if this is just like goblin dark dwellers murder, mm-hmm. I'll take that.
0: Yeah, that's really good. All of the all of this cheap spells that get played in EDH get played because they're really good at what they do for that cheap cost. So I'm I'm really excited to see what I can get out of this guy.
1: Mm-hmm. And 4-4 four, four for 5 ain't bad. Yeah, I mean, it's a little bit under where you want to be in EDH, but...
0: Yeah. That being said, don't get the promo of this card. The promo art on this card is ugly.
1: Yeah. Well, the the real art on this card ain't particularly pretty either, but...
0: It's better than the promo art.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, And then we go down... I love Kazoo con- uh, cult, Toll Culture's flavor tax. The card's actually terrible, but. I don't think the card is actually terrible. <laughs> I think it is. It just says, travelers are advised to bring extra swords, preferably shiny ones. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's pretty good. But Kazul to- Toll Collector, I actually like as a card. Uh It's two and a red for a 3-2, and it just makes... it is free to attach equipment to Kazul Toll Collector. You can pay zero, attach target equipment to activate its own... only any time you could cast a sorcery. That makes it a lot better to play some of the bigger, nastier equipments that have the really high equip costs. Like, you can play with this card, you could uh play batter skull and immediately equip it and swing with it or you can play argentum armor and immediately equip it and swing with it so i actually like this card quite a bit
1: yeah it's probably fine i mean it's it's probably fine in, like the red white equipment deck
0: yeah but you don't play equipment that's why you don't like it
1: <laughs> well no i play excuse me um you... play the, i got it, some skull clamp uh <laughs> that's not the same thing <laughs> <laughs> everyone plays skull clamp no, I I get it. It's not not my jam, but I get it. It's probably not terrible. Like no. this is this is your that short army that I'm always afraid is going to come kill me. Yeah. Um. Congratulations, you guys got another toy. Yeah. It is. I actually think that
0: in the equipment deck, like it's actually pretty good. I think I I like it a lot. But um, I I, I also like just having that ability because uh, we don't. S- that? I don't think we've really seen that before in this way. We've had like some things where it's free once when it enters the battlefield, but I don't think that there's ever been a card where it's like, yeah, you can have this on the battlefield, and now when you pay all your mana to play a big sword or something, you can immediately put it on this guy, and it's fine.
1: Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah.
0: It is essentially giving all your swords and stuff haste for cheaper, which is mm-hmm. cool. Uh, moving on, we get Oath of Chandra. Which has the best flavor text of all the oaths.
1: <laughs> this is true. That, it does have that going for it. It's um, got the,
0: her oath is the equivalent of oh fine, I guess I'll do it.
1: Yeah. So Oath of Chandra is a red and one legendary enchantment and that has the planeswalkery bit and the non planeswalkery bit. The non planeswalkery bit is when it enters the battlefield it does three damage target creature and opponent controls. Incinerate. No, it's not an incinerate. It's an incinerate they can regenerate from. No, it's it also can't hit players. Okay,
0: but never mind. I'm sorry, Captain Picky. Go on.
1: <laughs> no, that's that's huge. Like, I want my burn to be able to go to my opponent's face.
0: Okay, but the next burn does go to an opponent's face.
1: Sure. At the beginning of each end step, if a planeswalker entered the battlefield under your control this turn, oath of deals two damage to each opponent. Mm-hmm. Um, this is okay. Like, like three damage. Like two mana for three damage to a creature is kind of overcosted. Yeah, it is. Um. If this, could, if this was just Incinerate when it came down, I'd be all over this card. Yeah, the,
0: the the but that's the bonus part, right? The relevant part is the two damage to each opponent, which, this is not Purphoros.
1: <laughs> You're yeah. not
0: going to be playing that many walkers.
1: Yeah, and, and the problem with that is that, like, the red walkers have, I think, the issue of, uh, like, the opposite issue of, like, the black and the blue walkers, where most of them are fine. There's some that are just, like... They're either going to, like, do so little when they come in, or they're just a burn spell cleverly disguised as a Planeswalker. Yeah,
0: but I don't think that you... I don't think you play these in any of the monocolor decks. You play these in, like, multicolor Super Friends. And the Splashed Red Walkers are, again, some of the some of the awesome ones. Like, Dak Faden and Ral Zarek are both Splashed Red. Ajani Vengeant is Splashed Red. Nicol Bolas is Splashed Red. <laughs>
1: Yeah, the last couple iterations of Chandra aren't t- aren't terrible for commander. Like I'm 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 with you that it's like yes, I'll get a bunch of like free damage off this card, which is probably makes it good enough.
0: E eh, That's the thing is I'm not sure that free damage is good. The free damage is nice, But I don't know if it's worth, especially if you're playing like five color Super Friends where slots are already so tight. I'm not sure it makes the cut. You know where it does make the cut is if you're playing in the Super Friends meta and you want your Super Friend deck to be able to ping other people's Planeswalkers for free.
1: Sure. That (laughs) that that very specific instance. Yeah, that Naya Super Friends deck. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
0: Do we want to talk about Pyromancer's Assault?
1: Uh, in that it's cute, sure.
0: It is cute. Uh, if you want to play that Jorian deck we were talking about, play Pyromancer's Assault. It's, uh, three and a red. Whenever you cast your second spell each turn, Pyromancer's Assault deals two damage to target creature or player. That is, uh... If you can consistently cast two spells a turn, the fact that that can hit a creature or a player is really good.
1: Yeah. Thank goodness this is simple, too. This is just second spell. It's not second non-creature spell. Yeah. Second instant or sorcery. Second red spell. There's a lot of ways that this card could be bad. Yeah. And none of them are there.
0: Yeah. If you're if you're playing the uh, the Prowess deck, you probably like this card. Sure. Um,
1: I like Reckless Bushwhacker.
0: Yes. Okay. We'll talk about reckless bushwhacker. Go ahead.
1: You seem so resigned about this card. This it, is a it is a strict downgrade from goblin bushwhacker, I will, which already decks, came out. The decks that I have that want goblin bushwhacker want a second one. Yeah, like the decks that I that the decks that I have that would want to play goblin bushwhacker would take a reckless bushwhacker as well. Right. So anyway, on the subject of whacking bushes, <laughs> it is uh, red and two for a goblin warrior ally two one so relevant creature type two. Ha ha. Surge for blue and... Blue and one? Wow. Surge for red and one. Uh, it has haste, and when it enters the battlefield, if its surge cost was paid, creature Control get plus one, plus oh, and gain haste until end of turn.
0: Yep, it is a more expensive, usually, uh, Goblin Bushwhacker.
1: Yeah, but admittedly, like, this in Krenko, like, there, there's a lot of damage represented here. Yep. Like, I would... Ten of ten would play. <laughs> okay, I'm glad you like it. <laughs> um... Tyrant
0: of Valakut is worth mentioning, and only that it is not worth mentioning. The dragon of this set? Disappointed.
1: <laughs> yeah, but now, admittedly, like, the dragon of this set almost has to be underwhelming, because dragons aren't the top of the food chain right now, and it's important to see that.
0: Yeah, but, like, if you're... You know what, I I actually don't agree with that argument, because if you're only gonna have one, you can make it pretty cool. But they didn't. <laughs>
1: Yeah, this this card is real bad.
0: It's it's not good. We're gonna ignore its existence, and we're gonna move on to green cards.
1: Uh yeah, I think so.
0: Um, what is the first exciting green card we see?
1: It's not. Uh, we have to talk about Vile Redeemer, but it's actually not.
0: <laughs> no, we don't have to, do we? Uh,
1: it's in the sense of it's no, like. No, we don't. Sure, nope. we can keep going.
0: Fine. We don't have to talk about it. just because it has the rare symbol doesn't mean we have to talk about it. No, it's,
1: like eh. it's it's collar of the claw. If you're in, inter- if you're looking for something like that, it's a green wrath insurance policy.
0: Oh yeah, oh it is collar of the claw, isn't it? Okay, fine. We'll talk yeah, about like, Vile over the redeemer.
1: <laughs> this card is this card is like thoroughly okay. It yeah. is green and two for a three three devoid flash, and when you cast the redeemer, you may pay a colorless. If you do, put a 1-1 colorless Eldrazi Scion creature token onto the battlefield for each non-token creature that died this turn. Oof, like, sorry. It's a, it's a green wrath insurance policy.
0: I want to say that I've seen a lot of these green wrath insurance policies and I don't see them played very often. Like, I've seen a lot of color... I know color of the claw exists. There's that, like, fresh meat one or whatever it is,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, I don't see them played that often. I don't know how good they are.
1: <laughs> yeah, and this is also like, I guess it's going to be a crappy ambush viper too. Yeah, I'm not really interested in this card. Yeah, no. Uh, let's I am card interested, you are interested, in, interested card. <laughs> in Yeah, go ahead. This card is Worldbreaker. This is a green and six uh, Eldrazi. For five seven, devoid. When you cast World Exile, Target, Artifact, Enchantment, or Land, it has Reach, and has Us into sacrifice a land, return worldbreaker from your graveyard to your hand. Titania's new best friend. Right? This card is cool.
0: Yep, it's pretty powerful. It it's expensive for an acidic slime <laughs> effect. However, the ability to recur it and the fact that it exiles on a five-seven with reach, kind of makes up for that
1: fact. Remember, also when you recur it, you don't get, or it goes with your hand, so you never mind. You'll recast it and yeah, get it again. You will I was like, if it comes back into play, that doesn't work. But
0: no, it is. It is. You do have to recast it. So, like I said, expensive but still good. Yeah. And Titania's new best friend.
1: Yeah. Yay for sacrificing <laughs> <on> land.
0: <laughs> oh my god, you could stack this ability while it's in the graveyard. Blah.
1: <laughs> yes, I could if I wanted to sack a bunch of lands. Yes, i wanna, could. Do I want to sack? I want to sack a bunch of lands. <laughs>
0: <laughs> do you want to sack a bunch of lands? The flowchart is just, is Titania on the battlefield? No, battlefield, yay yeah. or nay? <laughs> yeah. Um, Bonds of
1: Mortality is cool.
0: Bonds of Mortality flavor-wise is cool, and mechanically it's cool. It's another uh, of that uh, glaring spotlight... Um,
1: this Watch. card would have been a rare two years ago. I just want to throw that out there.
0: Yeah, I'm surprised it's not, actually, looking at it. Yeah. Um, It is one and a green. For uh, an enchantment, when it enters a battlefield, you draw a card, and you can pay a green. Creatures your opponent cons- opponent's control lose Hexproof and Indestructible until end of turn. So, you know, glaring spotlight.
1: Yeah, uh, this card is actually okay. Like, getting rid of, like, Uril or Xur's Hexproof for a turn? Mm-hmm. Like, I would, I have, depending on your meta, I would easily play this card. Yeah,
0: it's also worth mentioning, if you are an Enchantress deck that has some way to do shenanigans with recurring enchantments, this is an enchantment that has a relevant little trigger on it that draws a card upon entering the battlefield. Yeah. So just the fact that it draws a card is going to be very important to some people.
1: Again, this Humility Dead Eye Navigator. Oh, stop it. Or not Humility, Opalescence.
0: (laughs) Yeah, stop it. You're not allowed to play with nice things anymore.
1: This Opalescence Eldrazi Displacer. See, we're going to break that card yet, Eric. You're no right. one
0: has ever had anything fun happen from Opalescence. <laughs> <laughs> Opalescence doesn't lead to positive game interactions.
1: It depends on your definition of fun. Like.
0: All right, we're going to go ahead and just keep scrolling, keep on scrolling, keep on scrolling. I think we're going to scroll all the way down past Nissa, because we already talked about her, to her Oath.
1: Uh, yeah, I think that's where we're at. Yep. Certainly not Nissa's Judgment. Um, yeah, let's talk about Nissa's Poor. Yeah. <laughs> um...
0: Oath of Nyssa is one green for a legendary enchantment. It's the last in the cycle, uh, and it has when Oath of Nyssa enters the battlefield, look at the top three cards of your library. You may reveal a creature, co- creature, land, or planeswalker card from among them and put them into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. And you may spend mana as though it were mana of any color in order to cast planeswalker spells. Almost certainly the best of these oaths.
1: Yep, probably. Um, yep. You know, cost of one... For, for one green mana, you get... Everyone's calling this the Green Ponder. I don't think that's exactly fair.
0: But it's pretty I think close. Of it,
1: yeah, it's much more closer to like the Green Anticipate.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um. Which in, in which car? Like, I would consider playing this card in mostly green commander. Like, I if I were playing mono green, even if I wasn't real walker heavy, I would consider playing this card because it's card selection in a color that has almost none. Yes, for one mana,
0: which is yeah. a big deal. Uh, you can recur it and get that effect too. Um, mm-hmm. the other cool thing is, is that now we can, like, look at the, all the oaths together and see, like, which ones are best and which ones are worse, and it's, it's pretty clear that the green and white ones are the best ones.
1: Yeah, I would agree. I think, I think it probably goes green, white, blue, red. Probably. Uh, uh
0: maybe. I think I'd go uh, red over blue, actually. But uh,
1: yeah, it's, it's definitely, a, I think it's a good, it's a solid fight for third, um. But, uh, this also, like, and also in the five color super friends deck. Like, this card is fine. This card lets me fix all my mana. This is yeah, a dramatic part... lantern for my Planeswalker spells, and this I love it. This card that.
0: is almost as good as a soul Ring turn one uh, in the five-color Super Friends deck.
1: <laughs> yeah, this is, yeah, if you're, if you, some days you get lucky. <laughs> yeah. The, um,
0: the other thing I was going to say is that my buddy Nick mentioned something that he was disappointed in that, uh, when I thought about it, also, I think is a huge missed opportunity, was that he wishes that there was a black... Something against um, Planeswalkers Obnixilus enchantment.
1: Oh, that he's swearing vengeance against the Gatewatch.
0: Yeah, something like that, or
1: like or like uh, Ob-
0: Obnixilus's assault, or something like that, where like it, it does the same thing, but it's an anti-Walker card in black, and it could be like an enchantment that comes down, and it a, a loyalty, or it, it like deals damage to Walkers, or something like that, and then it has. Loyal, uh, loyalty counters increase, or don't increase while this card is on the battlefield, or something ridiculous.
1: Uh, well, that, that ability is really hard to write, because increasing is a cost.
0: Yeah, no, uh, obviously, just something that it, it enters the battlefield, does a similar effect, and yeah. then its static ability is screw with planeswalkers. Cra- sure. Planeswalker creatures cost three more to cast.
1: Sure. Something like that. Yeah, I, I can dig that. Mm-hmm.
0: Or Planeswalker abilities can't be activated while it's on the battlefield. Oof! Oof. Oh, that's gross! Yeah. Um. Yeah, and they, they didn't. They didn't have the Omnixilus Anti-Planeswalker card, which kind of sucks.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, da, 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 da. Pulse of Marasa, do you want an new Or do you want a bad regrowth?
0: No, thank you.
1: I don't either. Someone was trying to convince me that it was the best card ever, and I showed them Regrowth, and it was kind of over. <laughs> it's instant speed. That's nice. Mm-hmm. Um. This is gonna sound terrible, but I'm just not in the market for a four-five for two. Uh, what? Like in Sylvan Advocate? Yeah. No. Like this card is gonna be a house in a house in limited and probably see some standard play, mm-hmm. but it's just like, hey, don't be green cards. Well,
0: if you're playing animate your lands, it's super awesome, but you got to be playing animate your lands. Sure. Um, da, 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 da. and I think we roll all the way down to Zendikar Resurgent.
1: Yeah, this card.
0: Mm-hmm. Go ahead, talk about seven, it.
1: Seven mana is a lot, but this does a lot of stuff. It does. Um, this is green, green, and five for an enchantment that when you tap a land for mana, add one mana of to your mana pool of any type that land produced. And then whenever you cast a creature spell, draw a card. Mm, I think I'm in love. <laughs> it
0: is also the spoiler for the good
1: guys win. <laughs> yeah, this is true. Good guys win. Um, But I dig, like, this is, so, this is, like, that there's the creature that lets you draw. I'm trying to figure out what this card actually is to, uh, as far as card stapled together. hmm um, I like a lot about this card.
0: It this... is a really good card. It, mm-hmm. Seven mana is a lot, but it's a really good card. It's one of those... It belongs in the same category as the... Uh, like Praetor's Genesis... Council? Yeah, Praetor's Council, Genesis Wave. It is a big green card that when you cast it, you are supposed to start winning the game.
1: Yeah. And and the, nice, the one thing I do like about this is, yes, you should be done ramping by the time you hit seven mana. Mm-hmm. But because you're getting now cards off your creature spells, all of a sudden it makes more sense to... It also it gives you something to do with all the bajillion mana you're making.
0: Yep, that's fair. I I I really like this card. <laughs> Me too. Um, I it, it's not my style of card, but like from a design standpoint, I really like it. Mhm. It's a green spell. that says draw a card on it. <laughs> that's pretty good.
1: Um, now we head into the
0: multicolors. Multicolors. Seeing what the first ones are.
1: I'm gonna throw out there, all of these multicolor cards fit in a very obvious deck. Yes. If they if you're in if you're looking for that deck, like
0: they all know, have or, a home.
1: Yeah. The red black one is in the Devoid Aggroy deck. The mm-hmm. blue black mill control deck. The blue green I mean it protects your dudes. It's black manta. For, yeah.
0: I didn't realize this when I first looked at Ailey, but uh-huh. it looks like she's a core who worships Eldrazi. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, because she, she's like walking towards tentacles and like bowing to them. And I just realized, like, I haven't looked at anything about the character, mm-hmm. but I'm pretty sure that the reason that she's white black is because she is a uh she's like worshiping the Eldrazi.
1: Could be. I know she shows up in the flavor text here later too.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm actually. I'm glancing at it right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, d- d- I I believed in a beautiful god, but this is the true face of the divine. Is a quote from her.
1: Let's, uh, let Well, we can keep going while you find flavor text. Like, I'm looking at more of these kind of unexciting, mm-hmm. unexciting uncommons, which fit fine in their respective decks. Yeah,
0: no, they're saying that she she's a core who has basically gone over to worshipping the Eldrazi, which I didn't realize before, but definitely makes this card infinitely cooler.
1: <laughs> yeah, card, cards are already sweet. We've talked about it already, but...
0: Yeah, I just wanted to say that, that that's some cool flavor. Anyway, yeah. moving on.
1: Uh, Bailoth now returns dudes, Cliffhaven Vampire has weird life gaining things, the green-white one pumps dudes, the legendary, are so legendary. Mm-hmm. So, Reflector Mage.
0: This is a really good card in uh, white-blue aggro.
1: Yeah, or, like, I would play this in a heartbeat in, like, 1v1, like, Geist of St. Draft.
0: Yeah, exactly. White-blue aggro. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is a really, really big tempo swing. Mm-hmm. But in a in a straight control deck, you probably want a more permanent solution. Yeah.
1: Um, that Hunter is what was. Um. <laughs> storm Chaser Mage. I'm kind of digging this card. In a Storm deck, it is a nasty finisher. Yeah, like, it's Red Blue, Flying Haste, Prowess, 1-3. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the kind of card you want to put in your jury end deck. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, this card's cool. Like. It's it is kind of a cross between Monastery Swift Sphere and We Dragonauts.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep, it and, is. And it uh, like those are two flavors that on their own are eh but together great. Yeah. Uh I also I like Weapons Trainer. I really like Weapons Trainer, actually. Yeah.
1: Robin? <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. Uh it's uh Red and white for a 3-2 human-soldier ally with other creatures you control get plus 1, plus 0 as long as you control an equipment. The equipment doesn't have to be attached to anything, and all of your creatures get the bonus. Man, the equipment decks really
1: got a lot of love in this set. Yeah, that, uh like I said, that, um... Oh, who's the red-white one I always make fun of? Jorkadine. Yeah, that Jorkadim army that I'm not sure actually exists, like... If you play Jorkadim, please let me know in the comments, because <laughs> I keep making jokes about Jorkadim and almost feel bad, then I realize I'm probably making fun of a group that doesn't actually exist.
0: You know what I'm going to do is, if we ever end up playing that game against each other, you're going to expect me to bring Prosh, and I'm going to bring Jorkadim. Jorkadim. <laughs> I'm going to stomp you with Jorkadim, and, make you, and then you're going to be like, no!
1: You bring Jorkadim, I'll bring Kalia. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, you won't. Yeah, I have principles. Um... <laughs> Now, on the right. other hand, I know I can mock Kalia players because I know they exist
0: <laughs> Excellent. Let's go down to the equipment by the way, now. if you're
1: playing the rivals dual drinking game at home, Noel makes fun of Kalia should be on your list somewhere a hundred well, like Eric complains <laughs> about blue noel makes fun of <laughs> noel makes fun of Kalia or
0: complains about nekusar, nekusar.
1: yeah like we are we are the same one trick pony over and over again Yeah. It's, um. Bonesaw, saw we got bone saw reprint
0: you just wanted to say it darn right
1: say it i again. got you for three minutes <laughs> yes okay three minutes of play time right. bone saws ready oh uh, we miss you huh? rest in peace macho man randy savage um
0: uh, all right captain's claws though yes uh besides the fact that this is uh real copyright infringement on uh, the old ps2 game vex. uh like really look it up it's the same thing just without color um but captain's claws is a two mana and uh equipment that you can equip for one the equip creature gets plus one plus oh and it also when it attacks puts a one one white core ally creature token onto the battlefield tapped and attacking that's a really good effect
1: (laughs) Yeah, um this is this is fine if you're in an ally deck. This is mm-hmm. just fine, like Brimaz is a thing. And even if they're just chump blocking it, it's something not blocking your real dudes. Yeah, the the cool thing
0: about this is that it is an effect you usually find on creatures you want to put equipment on. It is not something that we really find on the equipment until now. So mm-hmm. now any creature can be like a Brimaz, Knight of Blade, hold, um what's the other one? The other cat. Uh Emba. Kemba? Yeah, any any other one
1: of your dudes can be that kind of thing for a very cheap entrance fee, which is cool. Part of me sort of wants to put this on Precinct Captain from Return to Ravnica.
0: That would be good.
1: You know like what? It, uh, you know, for strike.
0: Like, you know who really likes this? Who? Mentor of the Meek. Yep. <laughs> That's how that works.
1: Also works good too. Um, can we talk about equipment for just a second, kind of in the kind of meta sense? Okay. I don't feel like we ever get, like, this is probably one of the few examples of equipment that's fine to good. It feels like we get a lot of equipment that is super, like, bustedly powerful. Swords of X and Y, skull clamp. Feet. And I then do you get a lot of stuff like bone saw or chitness cloak. Yeah. It, it feels like we end up, like, like, it feels like there's not a lot of. It's kind of like, I don't know, showering in a hotel shower, where it's either lava hot or freezing cold and there's no happy medium. I I disagree. I think that
0: we get... I think that most of our the equipment we get is actually pretty bad. The only time we get really powerful equipment is when we go to Mirrodin, and then we just kind of have to coast on that for several years until we go back to Mirrodin and get more super powerful equipment for the equipment decks. But, like, think about it. All the best equipment is from Mirrodin. And... All the other stuff is like sometimes played, but not really. The only one that is like a top rank equipment that isn't from Mirrodin is Umizawa's Gite. Say us G- the
1: only one I could think of.
0: Yeah, but, uh, like all the swords are Mirrodin, Batterskull Skull mm-hmm. is Mirrodin, Lightning Greaves, Mirrodin, Skull Clamp, Mirrodin.
1: Yeah, so it's just something that I've been like, I'm like, they're, they, I think, I don't know. It's and it's a hard thing because. I suppose equipment is very really hard to design mm. without being one or the other.
0: Yeah, I know. I, I just, I, I, I wish they had better equipment on places that weren't Mirrodin.
1: <laughs> yeah. And they've got, don't get me wrong, they've got, like, this is, this is fine. Like, Sword of the Animist is fine. Yeah. Sword of the like,
0: Animist and Captain's Claws are both mm-hmm. kind of cool.
1: Yeah, even if you're in, like, just looking for aggro-y stuff, like, mm-hmm. grafted war gear and bone shredder yeah. are, are okay, though bone shredders from Mirrodin. uh uh-huh. And grafted war gear is also from Mirrodin. Mirrodin. Oops. Um, all right, I'm trying really hard to justify this. But yeah. Anyway, I like grafted been... war gear, but it's Mirrodin. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, been been pondering the. Uh, yep. The Smiths. The,
0: that, the Smiths yeah. on every other plane, but Mirrodin suck. Yeah. And the ones on Mirrodin are just really good. Mm-hmm. They need to hire more apprentices, right? I don't. <laughs> so, want, I'm sorry. I don't want to talk about shitness cloak. <laughs> no. We can mention Stoneforge Masterwork only to say that it is a, a tribal card, but doesn't operate the way you want a tribal card to work. It makes yeah, one creature um, big instead of spreading out the boost, which is not what you want.
1: Yeah. Like I would agree. Yes. Um let's see. We end up in now I think we're into lands.
0: I do believe we enter the lands now.
1: If you wanted more end of the battlefield tapped, like if you didn't have between the gates, the refuges, the one the cycle from cons Th- of Tarkir there are El- more tap Elpain lands. Palace, there's a whole bunch, of, there's a whole cycle of those again.
0: Yep. Uh, Corrupted Crossroads, I can't remember if this one's worth mentioning. Um, Nope, not really.
1: <laughs> yeah, like, if you're in that Devoid deck. Uh, Crumbling Vestige is okay. Mm, meh. Yeah, like, if you're real hard up for fixing. Uh, We get into the Manlands. Uh Hissing Quagmire is okay, just because it has Death Touch. Yeah, Hissing Quagmire is one of the good Man Lands. Mm-hmm. You're gonna kill. A, you're gonna do a lot of surprise kill your opponent's threat with this card. <laughs> yeah, people will forget you have this card a lot. I am gonna throw out here too that like everyone on the planet, I think called exactly what this card was going to be. The and quagmire. Yes. Yeah. Like I'm like it's a two two with death touch that probably activates for three.
0: Yep. Everyone. Everyone called this one.
1: <laughs> yep. Uh.
0: But let's talk about mirror pool.
1: Yeah, this card's either great or awful, and I haven't decided.
0: No, this card is awesome. This card is okay. super good. So, Mirror Pool enters the battlefield tapped. Okay. I hate enter the battlefield tapped, lands. So it's got to have a real good reason to enter the battlefield tapped for me. Um It has tap, add a colorless to your mana pool. Meh. Mm-hmm. Um, it has pay two, tap, and sack it to copy... Or pay two into colorless, tap, and sack it to fork. Copy a target instant or sorcery spell you control. You may choose new targets for the copy. That's awesome. Or you can pay four into colorless, tap, and sack it... Put a token onto the battlefield that's a copy of target creature you control. This is giving, like, the red-blue double spells effect and blue clone effects to every single color on a land. That's awesome.
1: Yeah. Um, it does cost It costs a lot, because you're looking at six mana to make the copy when you consider tapping the land. And then formatted yeah. a copy of spell. Like it's it's expensive, but colorless things are supposed to be expensive.
0: Yes, it is more expensive, but like like you just said, it's it's supposed to be more expensive because it's colorless. You mm-hmm. can also do it at the end of your opponent's turn, which is pretty cool.
1: Yeah, if you're just sitting back and waiting, then yeah.
0: We have the Boros, uh, the Boros man, or manland, which again, everyone called it was going to be a double striker. This one, it's a 2-1, which I don't know why it's a 2-1 instead of 2-2, but it is, it's, it's a double striking manland. It's not that good. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Uh, Ruins of Orin Reef is pretty cool
1: though. Yeah, I love the flavor of this card work. Enters the battlefield, tapped, uh, tap to add a colorless, and then tap put a plus one, plus one counter on colorless creature that entered the battlefield this turn. Mm-hmm. So it's a riff on Around Reef of Vastwood.
0: Yeah, but it is the ruins of it. And I like that. I like this and the next card we're, card we're going to see are Seagate Wreckage. And I like that we're seeing the old places from Zendikar that have suffered and fallen because <laughs> of, um,. Because of the Eldrazi. That's super, super cool. Uh do you want to talk about Seagate
1: wreckage? Uh sure. I mean I don't know I don't know if this is a good commander card, but No,
0: it's not. It, yeah. like we don't even need to talk about it. It's just worth mentioning. Flavor wise, this is the wreckage of
1: Seagate. Yeah. Activate if you have no cards in your hand. I'll give you a hint. Those are not good words.
0: You never want to have no cards in
1: your hand. Right. If you're in your sweet hellbent deck. Yeah.
0: Um da-da-da. we have another filter land. We have the is it Manland, which is tricky?
1: Yeah, I mean, the nice part about this, too, is you can just, like, your opponent basically accepts that they're either eating four or losing a dude. mm mm-hmm. this is This is just fine if you're in some kind of tempoy shell that does a lot of creature, like, keeping a lot of creatures off the board. mm mm-hmm. Like, sometimes you just get to hit with this for free, but it only hits for 4 for free. It's yeah. probably not a commander card. No. The For
0: those of you wondering at home, the Is It Man Land costs 4 to animate, and it is a 1-4 that you can pay 0 to swap its power and toughness. So you can make it a 1-4 or a 4-1. So like I said, it's tricky, but it's not really nee. mm-hmm. Um. Now we have the Wastes discussion.
1: Yeah, let's talk, let's talk about waste for a second. Can I say that I love this?
0: That you love colorless uh, basic lands? I
1: Yes. As for somebody who, like, before one of the biggest barriers to entry to building, say, Karn or uh, one of the Eldrazi's as your commander was having to have, first of all, the huge liability if you're in a kind of meta that thinks Ruination is okay, mm-hmm. of getting blown out with that. Um, or just not being able to tutor for a basic land. Yes. And so I love that these exist now for the sake of players who want to play them. Mm.
0: Mm-hmm. Um I I love that they exist. I don't love that we can only get them in this set.
1: Yeah, I mean stock up now and they have said that they will use the colorless mana symbol again. Like they this is now a tool in their belt. They'll use it about as often as hybrid, they said.
0: Yes. But they also said that they will not use wastes again.
1: Yeah, that there's that this is your chance to pick them up. So by all means stockpile them now.
0: Yeah, that's the that's the only part that sucks is that you they are Hard to get a hold of. I'm not sure if they appear in the fat packs yet. They do. They do? You get yep. a pack of them in the fat packs?
1: Well, you don't get a whole pack of them, but they're in the land pack that comes with okay. uh, of the Gatewatch fat packs. There's okay. also the, the not-full art wastes, which are going to be probably the harder ones to find in the end, are in the intro decks. Mm-hmm. If you
0: don't want full art for some reason.
1: <laughs> um, I know some people who would rather have all their lands match and aren't willing to dig for okay. full art. Fair like, enough. They don't want to. They don't want to have to hunt down. Like they're gonna run four wastes in their deck, and they don't want to have to hunt down the other thirty lands in full art.
0: But if you're picking up the waste now, you might as well just get full art lands too. Right.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah like, I, like, I'm. I, I
0: agree with you. Yeah. <laughs> the, the. I feel like people who like not full art wastes just like being contradictory. Sure.
1: Well, and there'll be a cool talking point here in mm-hmm. four
0: or five years. Absolutely. So, uh, what do you think of the set overall?
1: The set is cool. Like, there's so much like neat stuff going on. Mm-hmm. I really like. There's nothing to complain about in here.
0: Nope. Uh, it's a super super cool set. I love that this is the first uh, set and and block where we've really really been able to see the story unfold over the cards. Like okay. that's super super cool. Like we you can just give someone a stack of cards from this set, and if you give them the right stack of cards, they could tell you. Plot point from plot point, beginning to end, what happens? Ulamog goes to attack, they go to fight Ulamog at Seagate, Kozlik shows up, Obnixilus shows up, Kozlik shows up, uh, they beat Obnixilus, they beat the thing, Zendikar wins. Like, that, and the fact that you can tell that all just by looking at the cards, is really neat.
1: Yeah, um, I love the story of this, I love, like, they've hit so many, like, admittedly, there are some people, like... There's people who are very upset with how they did the Eldrazi this time. Um, I, I I'm,
0: do not like them as much as the old Eldrazi.
1: And see, here's here's where I actually do, because I love that the Eldrazi now, it's not just these, like... All the Eldrazi before were these giant, like, gargantuan threats, mm-hmm. which made it hard to deal with in a... Like, what good is an army against a god? basically. Where now I feel like with these brood lineages, like these these literal these littler Eldrazi gives us something like that gives you something like, okay, turns out my heroes have a chance to do something. That was my kind of gripe with the Rise of Eldrazi limited too was that eventually you just landed Ulamong's Crusher after Ulamong's Crusher and Okay. Like you just like what good is a, what good is a group of men and elves versus that? Versus now that I feel like there are Eldrazi that make characters who aren't Superheroes, which is what basically what the planeswalkers are, mm-hmm. actually matter. That's fair, although they did have
0: the brood lineages in the old set in Rise of the Eldrazi. Like there was Emrakul's hatcher, they were like the colored Eldrazi.
1: No, all the Eldrazi were colorless and the, and like the cheapest one was eight mana. No, there's uh there like was Emrakul's hatcher I think was seven. Uh You had little they? like like spawn like uh sponsor not spawn... pawn of Ulamog and stuff like that, but Emerald
0: H- no, Emerald Cool's Hatcher is the 5-mana red one.
1: Mm-hmm. The Eldrazi, yeah, yeah, the yeah, I guess Eldrazi
0: Drones work. is yeah. what they were called back then. Yeah, and they there was a couple little ones. They were Eldrazi mm-hmm. Drones, Dread Drone. They aren't super memorable. Eldrazi, or Emerald Krill's Hatcher is the only one I remember because he's the um, siege gang commander of Eldrazi yeah. tokens.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So they did yeah. have the little guys. There is The little guys are a lot cooler in this one, I'll say that.
1: Yeah, like 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 I like I had forgotten completely about those. Where this I feel like, <laughs> you know, like Wasteland Strangler or mm-hmm. you know, even like a- not Avatar of Sla forerunner of slaughter. Like there's there's cool ones at a lower battery shaper. Yeah. Like like those are going to be cards that I remember as much as cards like Ulamog and Rakul.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep, uh and th- and that's fair. Um I I do miss. I don't think any of the Eldrazi feel nearly as powerful as even some of the lesser Eldrazi in the old set, but that's probably just because they made a mistake when they printed Annihilator.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say the biggest thing is they don't have Annihilator now, which is important because Annihilator one means nothing, and Annihilator two is really mean. Like, there's no like, if that like I feel like the correct number for Annihilator is somewhere around one and a half.
0: Yeah, (laughs) nine and three quarters. Um, the the yeah, I, I really like the set overall. Uh I really like the storytelling that they're doing. If they keep this storytelling style throughout the next sets, I think it's the most positive thing that they could do. Um I also kinda like that this is a set that a lot of sets you look at them and they can kind of be core sets. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It like you like with cons of Tarkir, you look at it, you're like, okay, there's new keywords and stuff, and there's a lot of multicolor going on, but really Besides, if it wasn't for the amount of multicolor, there's no reason this couldn't be a core set. And this does not feel like a core set. This feels like a side set. Like, it, it feels like a very specific thing that's a little more complicated, a little more in-depth and confusing. But I'm happy with that. Like, it yeah. feels, it's got its own identity. Mm-hmm. Which I like. I,
1: Yeah, it'll be very cool to see, like, whether this continues or whether this is a kind of flash in the pan. Yeah, um, I've digged the the Shadows Over Innistrad poster with Nicol Bolas that's been spoiled. I haven't seen that. Oh, there's a. It's like it's Shadows Over Innistrad. It has a castle, like some castle, and then behind it is what's obviously Nicol Bolas because it's got like the horns and the little mask thing in the center. I am the, looking the, the gem.
0: I got a thing of Bloodborne. No, Uh I will. I will see if I can find it. But yeah, no. Um, I make. I'm excited because this is the first like two set block we've gotten. And they did a good job with it, so I want
1: to see how they do next time. Yeah. I also love the two-set paradigm. Like, now that I think about it, like, there's, like, we've told the story here. There's no more story that needs told. No. And I love that we're not having some third act of whatever. Like, yeah. Which it means they would draw this whole storyline out. Like, the second one would have been the fight with Obnixilus, and the third block would have been finally fighting the Eldrazi. Yeah, I like
0: I like that they get to be a little bit more compact with it.
1: Yeah, as we're gonna tell the story and be done with it. And I feel like we're not leaving on a cliffhanger. Mhm. Like old magic sets always kind of felt like they did. Like a lot of a lot of them did. Like uh, Alara, Alara did. Uh, the original yeah. trip to Zendikar did. Even like New Phyrexia and Scars Mirrodin. You're like, yeah. But there's still this rebel resistance and these five predators fighting amongst themselves. And I want the end of this story where now it's like, okay. Here's the premise, here's the story. You don't have that whole, like, set one builds the world, set two has most of the plot, set three is, like, the climax, and then we cut at a cliffhanger anymore. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep, that's fair. So, I am all for getting rid of the third, because when was the last time we had a good third set? Well, like, we've had good third
0: sets when they were, like, built that way.
1: Yeah. Nemesis? (laughs) Uh, But, like... Or Apocalypse maybe? Like Well like Cons of Tarkir. Well but yeah, not not kinda Tons of Cartier was radically different. Like when they were going with the large, small small, like yeah. Dragon's Maze. Eh I,
0: I don't feel like they needed three sets for any of the Ravnica blocks. I think they could have yeah. done like five guilds a set and that would have been fine.
1: Uh, eh, that's a little crowded, but um like Journey into Nyx, uh Alara Reborn. Like there's a mm. lot of like if I go through like the stinkers of magic, mm. like Future Sight has powerful cards in it, but as far as mechanics and set wise goes, is awful. Like there's that's it's like Fifth Dawn. Like if you go through like the weakest of each block is always the third one. Okay, uh,
0: I would like to. I I've been a little bit silent during this uh, discussion. I do agree the third set is the is usually you know what I won't even say that the third set's usually the weakest one. It's just that the first set's you the first one's usually really strong, and then the last two could uh, and then either the third or the second is superfluous like in in a Strad, the first set was really strong and the third set was pretty strong, but you didn't need dark ascension in the middle um so i i I actually am very fond of this two set design as well, mm-hmm. however. I just wanted to quickly clarify something, because you mentioned this on the podcast, and I don't want people to call you out later. The Nicol Bolas spoiled poster for Shadows Over Innistrad is a confirmed fake. Oh, is it? It is someone's deviant art thing that they did to Troll, uh, and, and it, it has been confirmed. So I, I just wanted to clarify that for you, Noel, before we before we got out of here, and then people started calling you out for getting fooled.
1: Okay, well, yeah, it got me. I... <laughs> That be I, that's. I'm kind
0: of disappointed though because I was looking at it and I was like, man, they've they've changed the design on Nico Volus a bit. He looks beefier. He looks like sinuous. They're making him look look less like. They're trying to differentiate him and Ugin, and he looks way scarier now. Now that I know it's fake, I'm kind of annoyed because I like this new design on Bolus a little bit better.
1: <laughs> All right, so I'll cut a bunch of stuff about us talking about shadows over in <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>
0: No, it's fine. Leave it in there, because then people know that it's fake. Sure, fair enough.
1: A public service announcement yeah.
0: from Rivals Duel. The Prox uh, Bolus uh. not confirmed for Shadows over Innistrad.
1: The more you know! <laughs> uh,
0: Yep, but that that is all for today, folks. That's our Zendikar set review. Um, I'm afraid I have to take off, so we're going to have to rush through the outro a bit here, but that's okay. Uh, If you want to get a hold of me, you can do it at ericbonvie at gmail.com. It's ericbonvie at gmail.com. Or uh, at that bonby guy on Twitter, you can also get a hold of me at our Facebook.com uh, slash Rivals page. Uh, or in the comments below on CommanderCast. Noel, where can they get a hold of you?
1: Yeah, if you'd like to get a hold of me, my contact information, my email is Clauson, N-O-L-E-C-L-A-U-S-O-N at gmail.com. I'm also on Twitter at at MTGNoel. And if you're looking for an RSS feed of the show, it is feeds.feedburner.com slash Duel.
0: And that's all for t- uh, today, folks. I hope you enjoyed the set review, and we'll uh, see you next time back to our regularly scheduled programs.
1: Yep, thanks for listening. Uh, that sounds super awkward. Yeah.
0: Maybe cut that one.
1: Yeah, that that doesn't get to stay in the podcast. Bearer um, of Silence is black and one for a 2-1 uh, Eldrazi. Division. Give me a second. I just realized how dirty what you said so actually was. No, I was picturing you taking
0: the just the cut little thing and just the, the like random thing at the beginning of each episode was just going to be somebody get me a towel. Yeah.